Welcome to the Rediscover the 80s podcast, your mixtape of 80s pop culture. Here's what's coming up in episode number one, television. Who can forget that Elf uh, had an affinity for eating cats, but he couldn't eat the family cat. The fact that there was a furry alien running around chasing a cat um, and trying to eat him, um, kind of, I don't know, it made, it, it made funny. Good. Which fast food restaurant offering that began in the 80s would you like to see make a comeback? Absolutely bring me back the McDLT. That was a damn good sandwich, and it's making me hungry for one right now. Music. Run, run, DMC. Run, DMC, to this day, I still love. They're pioneers, legends in the game, and the Hall of Famers in everybody's book. You won't need excuses for losing your schoolwork with the Trapper Keeper. Trapper Keeper was the the Rolls Royce of your school uh, supplies. Movies. It's hard to explain. Ghostbusters owned that year that it was released. It had the music video, had t-shirts, mugs. That logo was everywhere. Plus more topics like Wapner's Revenge, Drive, Do You Remember, and Trap and play along with Topic Trivia and the Backwards Song Challenge. And now, here's your host of the Rediscover the 80s podcast, Mr. Sock of Cleveland himself, Jason Gross. Welcome everyone to the first episode of the Rediscover the 80s podcast. I am Jason Gross. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you'll be entertained as we journey back to the 80s and rediscover 10 different topics for episode number one. Well, this being the first Rediscover the 80s podcast, I wanted to give you a little background into the development of the show. Of course, if you've made it this far, you've been to the website, and the concept behind how the website got started was simply me wanting to rediscover all the things from my childhood in the 80s. Back over a a year ago or so, I caught the podcasting bug. I was listening to podcasts from underscoopfire.com. I was also listening to the Cold Slither podcast, the Retroist, and many more. And what I really liked about them was basically going back and just talking about stuff that we remembered from the 80s and and our childhood. And I always wanted to do a show for my website, but wanted to do something maybe a little bit different. Nothing against those shows and and their formats and the way that they recollect the past, but I struggled for a long time trying to come up with an idea on how to format the show. Would it be kind of like a music show? Would it have... uh, like a morning drive radio show type feel with some talking and some music. And finally, a couple months ago, I stumbled across a YouTube clip that was taken from VH1's I Love the 80s. Now that show was a great show. I loved it. I liked the format and how they had celebrities from the past and present kind of come together and remember everything from TV to movies, music videos, fads really enjoyed the format and I thought that would be a great format for a podcast so I started pursuing putting together a podcast with the kind of I love the 80s format 
And the format of that show kind of conjures up that feeling that I had when I first created RediscoverThe80s.com. So I decided to go ahead and, and begin pulling together ideas for topics. I sent an email out to my podcast friends. And they were real excited about it. So I decided to pursue it. And I've kind of taken that format now and given it my own little twist. Each one of these episodes, I'm going to feature ten topics. Some will be general topics where we'll just discuss everything about it. Some, I'll get our panelists to choose between a couple things, to maybe be a little creative, so it's not just a general discussion. When I set up the panel, I did not brief them ahead of time. So they had no idea what particular topic we were going to be talking about. I gave them the topic title, such as movie, television, and I figured that was the best way. So they would basically give me everything that they can remember about each topic and maybe even a story or two. And as I went along, uh, we I each interviewed them separately went about an hour, so that's about 11 hours of audio. That was my base. And I went through and pulled clips out from everybody, put them together in each topic. And then once I began producing the show, I mean, there was just so much material. And I knew I was going to get some great stories and experiences that might be off topic or I just don't have enough time to to edit and put in the show that I figured an outtake reel would be great to add on as an addition at the tail end of the show. I included some great uh, retro wave music as as background music. I've also inserted, when we talk about movies and television, I've inserted clips and theme songs. And then at the end of each topic, I'm going to challenge our panel to a trivia question and We'll tally up the points at the end of the show. We'll see who our trivia champion is going to be. And we'll also find out who was the loser. And I got a special surprise for the loser. And since you are listening to this, as opposed to watching on television, like the I Love the 80s show, I'm, it's important we introduce the podcast panel. You get used to their voices. I'm also going to incorporate some sound effects. When you hear Mario warping to the next zone, we'll be warping to our next topic. So we'll go through one topic, we'll have our trivia question, and then we'll warp right into our next topic. We've got 10 total for you, with 11 podcasting pros. At the end of the show, we'll tally up the trivia, and then we'll run the credits and we'll listen to the outtakes from episode number one. So I really hope you enjoy the show in the format. I hope it'll be something different than what you're used to on a podcast. So without further ado, let's meet our podcasting panel. Rediscover the 80s podcast number one podcast panel. Our first panelist hails from the Walking Dads podcast. It's Brian Morin. I'm Brian Hail Mary Morin of the Walking Dads podcast. I love the 80s. Uh, it was a great decade to grow up in. The toys were the best. The shows on TV were the best. The movies were the best. 
If you think like me, then you're going to love this podcast. Up next, he's the host of the Cold Slither Podcast. It's classic material. Bye week, ground out week, mini bar. This is classic material, host of the Cold Slither Podcast. I'm also the leader of the Dreadnoughts, and uh, I'm one of Spider-Man's amazing friends. Our next panelist is a double threat guy, producer of the Underscoop Fire Podcast, and also the co-host of Madcast. He's Corey Chapman. Hi, this is Corey Chapman, a producer and co-host of the Underscoop Fire podcast, as well as the Madcast podcast. And I am a shameful, shameful New Kids on the Block fan. Up next, another podcaster who pulls double duty from the Cold Slither podcast and the Eclectic Discussion podcast. It's Eclectic. This is Eclectic Relaxation from the Eclectic Relaxation website, Eclectic Discussion Podcast, uh, EDP with the hashtag in front, and I may or may not have mainlined Pixie Sticks. Our next panelist is one half of the title-pending movie podcast with Tank and Fogues. It's Dan Fogues Fogarty. Hey everyone, this is Fogues from Fogues'MovieReviews.com. I tried to live life in the 80s like it was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Next, the editor-in-chief of Underscoopfire.com and a frequent guest to the Underscoop Fire podcast, it's Howie Decker. This is Howie Decker from Underscoop Fire, and I am the illegitimate seventh Brady child. Next up, a gamer, a geek, and 30-something going on 12. She's very crafty and co-host of the Cult Film Club podcast. It's Jamie Hood. This is Jamie from She's Crafty.com. I was born in 1981. I love video games and Ninja Turtles. He's the resident G.I. Joe expert and co-host of the Underscoop Fire podcast. It's Joe Sakari. Hi, this is Joe. My lifelong ambition is to be a Lego minifigure, and I am the least talented member of the Underscoop Fire Voltron. Up next, the creative mind behind BrandedInThe80s.com and co-host of the Cult Film Club podcast. It's Sean Robert. Hey, my name is Sean Robert, and I'm from BrandedInThe80s.com. And even though The Guardian UK said that I was the only person in the world that had a complete set of Goonies stickers, I don't, but it's my favorite pull quote about me and my website. Our next panelist comes to us from the title-pending movie podcast with Tank and Folks, and can also be heard on the Underscoop Fire podcast. The Polish phenom himself, Chris Tank Tansky. I am Tank, and I am on the title-pending movie podcast with Tank and Folks. I just love the 80s, especially 80s movies. I can't get enough of them. And I also love collecting any kind of toys, especially the original Star Wars vintage collection. And last but not least, the co-writer of Mobile Armored Strike Command the movie and my co-host on the MassCast podcast, the infamous Wyatt Bloom. Hey everyone, this is Wyatt from MassCast with co-host Jason Gross here. What you might find interesting or fascinating or just playing stupid is that I have a big collection of Dukes of Hazzard memorabilia. There they are, the 11 panelists ready to rediscover the 80s in podcast number one. So without further ado, it's time to warp into our first topic. Let's go while we're young. Movies. (laughs) 
Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Oh, I like Ghostbusters. Oh, man. Ghostbusters. Uh, absolutely one of the best movies probably to be put on the screen. I love Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is it's easily in my top ten of all time. Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time. You know, back in 84, 85, you know, uh, we didn't have the luxury of DVR and Blu-ray and things of that nature. And I remember getting um, a copy of Ghostbusters. I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I think it was a little bit too much for the eight-year-old that I was. But uh, as soon as it was out on VHS, we did get ourselves a copy of it. And uh, I can tell you this, between myself and my middle brother, we watched it every day, every day, to the point where we actually wore the tape out and had to replace it. Ghostbusters was an interesting movie. I liked the serial more than I liked the movie itself. But when it first came out, it was nothing like it, you know, but... As far as everyone that loves it now, it's okay. I think that's one of the first films that I ever saw in the theater. Um, what was it? It was 84, right? Or 83, somewhere around in there. I was pretty young. Uh, I was young enough that uh, I wasn't really going to the theater a whole lot. And um, yeah, my dad took me to, to go see that. And he, he didn't tell me what we were going to see. He just kind of surprised me. And for some reason, because the theater that we had in our neighborhood had these like giant curtains that would open up before the movie started i always like at that age i always thought we were going to see a play or something and for some reason it just always was like "Ah, i don't want to go to the theater or whatever but uh that day when the uh, curtains opened up and it ended up being ghostbusters that uh blew my eyeballs right out of my head that was that was a great experience that was the one film that holds the record for me seeing the most times in theaters my dad took me to it and i just immediately got hooked this thing has been a part of my life right from when it was released in theaters in uh, 84. I think it was June. So it was the summertime. So whenever we had a free, a free moment, we went and saw Ghostbusters at the theaters. It was the 80s and we were all in elementary school when it came out. And I'm telling you, man, this was the most awesome thing ever. Uh, you know, Peter Vinkman, uh, you know, Bill Murray, you know, he was he was the man. And then you had uh, <laughs> you had the uh, race dance. Uh, he was played by Dan Aykroyd, and then um, Harold Harold Ramis played uh, Egon Spengler, who was like the super duper nerd. And then, you know, for us it was pretty cool because you had a black dude in there. You know, we, we kept thinking, well, you know, got this movie, where are the black guys? So, you know, you had a uh, you know Ernie Hudson who uh, made a name for himself as uh, Winston Zedmore. But Ghostbusters, the movie, it was all parts creepy, spooky, and funny. It's hard to explain. Ghostbusters owned that year that it was released it had the music video had t-shirts mugs that logo was everywhere it's hard to express how enormous a movie ghostbusters was and it still holds up it's still funny to this day i don't think the stay puffed marshmallow man will ever go out of style that's a great great movie the first thing that comes to mind when someone talks about ghostbusters is that i have uh far too little of a of experience with it and far too tame a love affair with it. I have seen it, obviously, but it's not something that I've gone back and seen uh, sort of in this like 80s pop culture renaissance. That was one of the quintessential movies of the 80s. 
And uh, and, and if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have uh, ever had Ecto Cooler. Even to this day, it is a movie that I quote. And it's one of those things when you pass somebody on the street that's also seen it, kind of like the fight club of comedy, where you'll drop a line and they'll look at you and go, Ghostbusters. I'm like, yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, I've got great memories with that flick. And, uh, you know, Peter Venkman, come on. He's the coolest scientist you'll ever meet. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Give me some of your favorite scenes or favorite lines from the movie. Who doesn't crack up when the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man comes on? Well, of course the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Choose the form of the destructor. Oh, I get it. I get it all. Very cute. Whatever we think of. If we think of J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover will appear and destroy us, okay? So empty your hands. Empty your hands. Don't think of anything. We've only got one shot at this. The choice is made. Whoa, oh, whoa! The traveler has come. Nobody choose anything! Did you choose anything? No. Did you? My mind is totally blank. I didn't choose anything! I couldn't help it. It just popped in there. What? What just popped in there? I... I... I tried to think. Look! No! It can't be. What is it? It can't be. What did you do, Ray? Oh, sh**. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. So it's like Godzilla or King Kong, but it's a big white marshmallow man. So that was mad funny. I always thought it was kind of funny that, uh, you know, obviously he just thought of J. Edgar Hoover and you didn't have a giant J. Edgar Hoover rampaging through New York. One of my favorite scenes is uh, when the guys are uh, at the hotel and they are uh, going up in the uh, elevator. And, you know, one of the uh, folks in the elevator is kind of, you know, doesn't really know what's going on and they have that back and forth the elevator scene is always classic shouts to the man in the elevator what are you supposed to be some kind of a cosmonaut <laughs> no we're exterminators somebody saw a cockroach up on 12 that's got to be some cockroach bite your head off man mother pus bucket mother pus bucket the disaster of biblical proportions the city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. I, I like the whole part where Peter is doing the, um, what do you call it? It's like the psychiatry test. Hey! I'm getting a little tired of this! You volunteered, didn't you? We're paying you, aren't we? Yeah, but I didn't know you were going to be giving me electric shocks. The effect? I'll tell you what the effect is! It's pissing me off! Well, then maybe my theory is correct! You can kick the five bucks I've had! I will, mister! I love when they shoot up the bar, and Bill Murray is like... Okay, all right, all right. Oh, 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 shooting Tex. Rick Moranis, anytime he was in the movie, was, was funny to me, and I don't know why. I was just exercising. I taped 20-minute workout on my machine and played it back at high speed, so it only took 10 minutes. I got a great workout. Uh, obviously, uh, you can't go wrong with uh, having Bill Murray be your favorite character, so his scenes with Slimer, which he wasn't known back then. I think he was the ugly green spud. Come in. 
Ray. Pitman! I saw it, I saw it, I saw it! It's right here, Ray. It's looking at me. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you, Ray. Don't move. It won't hurt you. Me. That's great! Actual physical contact! Can you move? Ray, Ray, come in, please. I feel so funky. Spengler, I'm with Bankman. Oh. You got slime! That's great, Ray. Save some for me. Uh, we used to get a lot of mileage in college off of... Egon, your mucus. I'd have to say probably some of my, my favorite scenes are, are the ones with Egon. Uh, anything where he's got his dry, sarcastic humor. Do you have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. This is big, Peter. This is very big. There's definitely something here. Egon, this reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. Do you remember that? That would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. One of the favorite scenes I like is actually when Ray brings home the Ecto-1 mobile, and he's spitting out what it all needs, and you might as well just bought a new car from what it sounded like. Need some suspension work and shocks and uh, brakes, brake pads, lining, steering box, transmission, rear end. The other one is when they're actually looking at the firehouse and Ray's all excited. Hey, when do we get this tested out and sleep over and all that? And they're like, this needs to be condemned. It just seems a little pricey for a unique fixer-upper opportunity, that's all. What do you think, Egon? I think this building should be condemned. There's serious metal fatigue in all the load-bearing members. The wiring is substandard. It's completely inadequate for our power needs. And the neighborhood is like a demilitarized zone. Hey, does this pole still work? Wow, this place is great. When can we move in? You've got to try this pole. I'm going to get my stuff. Hey, we should stay here tonight. Sleep here. You know, to try it out. And then, of course, my favorite line in the whole thing, uh, you know, Peter, at the end, uh, when they're about to, you know, shoot uh, shoot down Gozer, he goes, Ready! Let's show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. Thoughts on the theme song in the music video? The song was great. I will listen to it every once in a while still. Uh, and the music video, I only remember seeing it a few times, but didn't it have, like, other um, 80s celebrities? You could tell that they wanted to get some A-list celebrities in the video. But the way I remember it was, okay, we're shooting in New York. Who's in town? Is that the best they could do? Uh, maybe they should have shot this on a soundstage in L.A. We could have really brought the big, the big stars in. It's one of those things, like, I loved it when it first came out and it was everywhere. But over time, it kind of grates on my nerves. Like, I don't love it as much now. Um, it's kind of, like, relegated to my Halloween playlist exclusively. And I don't really listen to it any other time of the year. See, Ray Parker Jr., this was when everybody wanted to be Michael Jackson. Yeah, Ray Parker Jr., yeah, Rockwell. <laughs> but the, the the special effects and the uh and the, the Ghostbusters video, which was akin to uh the male section at Chess King had all the neon <laughs> neon lights and the and the, the guy was he was he was dressed very bad. Um the song though it was incredible. 
and 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 everyone loved it and to this day it's a catchphrase who you gonna call and i don't know how or why it caught on so good but it was incredible and especially the, the the celebrity cameos great it's classic you can't you can't beat it i think more people like this song and the video more than uh the movie at the time but you know both are cult classics I think I'm more of a fan of the Bobby Brown song, to be honest with you. I, the song I liked as a kid, but now whenever it comes on, I have to turn it off. It's, I don't know. It's one of those songs that I think get, got played out so many times in my head that it was like, whatever. That phrase is still in the pop culture lexicon. If you ask someone, who are you going to call? They're an ultimate moron if they don't know the answer is Ghostbusters. I loved it. I, I think it's actually a good beat. and it, it, To me, it fits. You know, some TV themes, especially nowadays, don't seem to fit the show. But this, uh, not just because they shouted Ghostbusters, but it actually seemed to fit the whole, the whole genre, the whole, the whole message of that show. I love the song. It's goofy as hell, but it's right up there with like some of the stuff that Eddie Murphy recorded in the '80s. And I don't know. There's just, it's just fun. I'm, um, you know, it's like as much as I love like the rock anthems and stuff like that from a lot of the '80s movies. The, the. Um, Stuff like in Karate Kid, uh, you're the best and stuff. There's, there's always something fun about those those ones that are just a little bit more goofy. Oh, that 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 right there just sort of symbolizes the '80s. So that that movie in and of itself is a microcosm of what made the '80s great. Is that it had, you know, nothing was just sort of a standalone thing. It was the accompanying music videos and the merchandise and the clothing and the the toys. So yeah, man, it it, it totally added to its illustrious perception that was back in the heyday of mtv that song was on every two minutes you couldn't avoid it who are you gonna call right like nelson mandela would be on there saying who are you gonna call he has nothing to do with it but if you get that song you know who are you gonna call ghostbusters you know which uh didn't that song sound just like uh, Huey Lewis in the news? I want a new drug. It was like the same song, wasn't it? so mad at Huey Lewis for trying to take money away from the Ghostbusters. Hey, Huey, if you're not going to do the song, we'll just take one of the ones you've already done. You know what? Let's let's put it this way. If he did, it wound up not bothering me. I mean, I just didn't even connect with it. I, I really couldn't tell you. But uh, it seems very original to me. I don't remember exactly what the, the, the story was, but it, I think it has something to do with they went to Huey and they wanted him to do a song or, or then they, they he, he changed his mind or something. But listen, that is definitely I want a new drug. I don't care what you say, but it, it was it was it was lifted. It was ripped off. This was uh, what we call in the 80s. We call biting. We don't want to bite. And, and and who who knows what uh, Lindsey Buckingham would have came up with, but <laughs> it, it definitely stole that. Here's what I see. I see it happen going down this way. They pick up the phone to Huey. Huey, we got we got we got this uh, this ghost hunting movie, we, a comedy. We want you to do the lead song for. 
Uh, I'm actually working on a time-traveling comedy uh, soundtrack right now. Uh, I'm okay. I'm good. I mean, Back to the Future, the following year. I mean, the guy could have been back-to-back with that. Were you a fan of the, the Ghostbusters cartoon, the Filmation version? Let's go! I'd rather stab my eyes than watch that show. I was definitely uh, you know, the, the real Ghostbusters more than I was the, I guess, the fake Ghostbusters, even though they were uh, technically, I guess, they were first. The fake one was, uh, I remember thinking it was just horrible. And um, it must have been pretty bad if, if, as an 80s child, I thought it was bad. Filmation sued while Ghostbusters was out or in the process of being made. And they actually won, which was why, like, later on when they did the spinoff cartoon for the for the Ghostbusters, they couldn't call it the Ghostbusters. They had to call it the real Ghostbusters. It had to be differentiated because Filmation owned the animated rights to the Ghostbusters. The we don't recognize the cartoon. The, we don't recognize the cartoon with the with the eight. I was so loyal to that movie. And when those two were out and I knew the real Ghostbusters were going to be you know, the characters from the movies. I was like, this is the one I'm watching. I like them both, but I gotta say, I like the real Ghostbusters. It was called Ghostbusters, but it wasn't really Ghostbusters, but I still liked it because it was Ghostbusters. I love gadgets. That's why I like Batman. That's why I like uh, Kit. And when the other Ghostbusters came out and the car talked and changed into funky things, I liked that. That was pretty cool to me. I didn't care about everything else, but... To me, the car's what made me watch. Knowing me back then, when it was on and I saw a gorilla working with the Ghostbusters, I flipped the channel or I just went outside and played. Because there's no way I'm watching that crap. Should they make Ghostbusters 3? Hell no. No? I'm going to say no. Hell no. Yes, they should. I personally think they should make Ghostbusters 3. We do need a sequel. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I'm not looking forward to it if they do make it. To be honest with you, you know, I, they screwed up Ghostbusters with Ghostbusters Two, and you know, given all the time that's passed, I'm, I just don't see any way that it could possibly be very good. You would think they would have learned from Ghostbusters Two, and no, I'm just kidding. Ghostbusters Two, it's Ghostbusters, so it's still good, but it's obviously nowhere near as close to being as good as the first one. But honestly, if they do a third one and they bring back everybody, it, the only true way they could do it, and they've talked about this, but it's never been confirmed, but it has to be animated. I don't want to see 60-year-old Ghostbusters. Come on, man, just let it be. There's no chance. There's nobody out there I want the torch passed to, either. I don't want some young punk Ghostbuster, either. So you know what? Dan Aykroyd, find a lawyer and get some more money out of your residuals or something i i don't want i don't want uh, a new ghostbusters no thank you yes they should make a ghostbusters 3 i realize that all of the characters all the actors are quite older um i think that it should be kind of the old ghostbusters moving on to the new crew just that whole continuing on the story would be kind of cool to see i i, I really don't like to see like my childhood heroes all geriatric uh i i don't know like I, I i would do it if it's like a totally fresh reboot and like none of the original ghostbusters are involved and they want to try to do something different but to try to like bring back the original ghostbusters i'm just not feeling it it's tough you know we're this day and age we're seeing remakes we're seeing sequels we are seeing things that um is sully 
if you will, the legacy of a franchise. My best example, as, as much as I hate to say it, is Dan Aykroyd. Uh, a recent episode of SNL had Aykroyd and Steve Martin returning for their Wild and Crazy Guy. And old Danny looked like a, 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 a wreck. He <laughs> didn't look so hot. And I choose to remember, uh, you know, the characters and the actors in 1984. And I don't see them topping that. I, I, uh, I, I got to say, leave it alone. Let's let's just have the, the, the original one and, and, and lock that one up. I don't want to see it. I think everybody gets excited when they hear that something's been greenlit or that someone, you know, Bill Murray is uh, allegedly now uh, agreed to it and things like that. And then there's... You know, Aykroyd, who just always wants to, he's ready to go. hes He wears the suit to bed, I think. But I don't know. You know, it's one of those things that it might be that we really want it. And once we get it, we realize we didn't want it that bad. Ghostbusters 3. I, I would, I, 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 no, because I wouldn't even care. <laughs> Ghost, nothing, I mean, Ghostbusters 3 could be really good. But based upon how they make movies these days, it's, it's just going to ruin everything. Sort of like, you know, with the uh, Indiana Jones movie, the, the Crystal Skull. Uh, when I went and saw that, you know, the, it was nice to see Indy again. It was nice to hear the music, but it really wasn't a very good movie. And I think it would be pretty much the same with the Ghostbusters 3. The atmosphere right now, the, the, the zeitgeist of the whole ghost chasing stuff, it's at this apex where it's like, I can't believe there isn't a Ghostbusters movie to riff off on this. All these reality shows where you got people searching for Sasquatch or searching for ghosts and freaking old jails and all over the world. How can they not? I mean, th- that movie writes itself where you've got, you know, it's like the Ghostbusters have been forgotten. You've got all these new goofy modern people doing reality shows and then it's it's got to start off with like the ghostbusters like having to do a reality show to get back into the public consciousness or something except they're actually doing the work i I don't know how this movie isn't being made like (laughs) right now i mean i i know i know i know a lot of people have some gripes about like an older ghostbusters cast or something like that or the fact that maybe bill murray won't come back but honestly they could totally pass the torch and i would be fine with that As, as long as they don't uh cast too many of the obvious faces like Seth Rogen and, and pretty much hit up all the Judd Apatow people, I'd be fine. I mean, I would actually probably kill if they, you know, at least if they cast like Paul Rudd. I think Paul Rudd as a Ghostbuster would make the movie for me. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters! Ghostbusters. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you! Alright, it's time for our topic trivia question on Ghostbusters. We're looking for the characters that were played by Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson. Think you can name them? Let's see if our panelists can earn a full point by naming all four. Yeah, you got uh, Peter Venkman, uh, Egon... Bangler, uh, Winston Zedmore, and Ray Stance. Uh, Peter Vinkman, Egon Spangler, uh, Ray Stance, and Winston Zedmore. Well, Winston Zedmore, no one ever starts with Winston. Uh, Egon Spangler, Ray Stance, and Peter Vinkman. You got Stance, you got uh, Raymond, you got uh, Winston, you got Peter, 
And you got uh, Egon. Uh, Peter Venkman, Ray Stance, Egon Spangler, and Winston Zedmore Jr. Uh, Peter, Egon, Ray, and Winston. Yeah, Peter, Ray, Egon, and uh, the, the. Oh my god. The other dude. The black guy. Winston. Crap. Uh. Vankman? Uh, Winston Zedmore? Oh god. Uh. I could see their stupid names too. Uh. Vankman Zedmore. Winston Zedmore. Um. Charlie Sheen and Ashton Kutcher. I have no idea who the other two are. Oh, it's, uh, Egon, Ray. Um, oh my god, why am I blanking on this? Uh, Winston and, uh, Peter. That's, uh, Peter Venkman, Egon Spengler, Ray Stance, and Winston Zedmore. Uh, Ray, Egon, Peter, and Stanler? Wapner's Revenge. Wapner's Revenge. In this topic, our podcast panel will face the wrath of the mighty overseer of the People's Court, Judge Wapner. No longer bound by small claims court, Judge Wapner is now working criminal cases and sentencing our guilty podcasters in any way he sees fit. What you'll be hearing in this topic is not real, but our panelists are very real and will be giving real answers. Each of them, having been found guilty of a crime, have agreed to dismiss their court cases to be sentenced here in the Rediscover the 80s Court. Case of the Happy Rollers. Our case for this episode begins with our podcast panel having been found guilty of 32 unpaid parking tickets. Forgoing the normal hefty fine, Judge Wapner has sentenced each panelist to be locked away for two consecutive days in solitary confinement. But they won't be alone during their time served. They'll have a single 80 song on continuous loop. Judge Wapner has been gracious enough to give two song choices during their 48 hours of imprisonment. Will our podcast panel choose to be happy with Bobby McFerrin? Don't worry. Don't worry, or will they never give up on Rick Astley? Oh, this is awful. Uh, um, I demand to speak with uh, Doug Llewellyn. This is a travesty. I don't understand why I am being put uh, towards such to- torture. Uh, Judge Wagner is is an ass objection is overruled i had some good times at college to don't worry be happy 
let's just say we embraced that philosophy at college. That was that. So, it, as painful as it would be to listen to any song on a loop for two straight days, I could I could get with that song. We got a lot of play out of that album. Which one will I end up pulling my hair out on sooner? Is the probably the one I'm not going to pick. Don't worry, be happy is a nice mellow song. You know, and you know it's got a nice positive message, but after a while it does get grating on it on you because you know it's like it's the same like just melody over and over again. You know, and don't worry, be happy. And I, I would just I'd probably lose my over that. Where it's never going to give you up. It's a nice like fast paced beat. Only problem is if you're in solitary confinement. Um, Trying to sleep with never going to give you a plan is going to be a challenge, you know, because you, you're going to be like having a you're going to have a fitful sleep. I mean, Rick Astley, the soulful sounds, you know, they really cut to the core. You know, they really touch your soul. But at the same time, you're just like, damn, can they like slow this song down a little bit or turn the volume down so I can get some shut eye? You know, I'm going to be like all wired. So given that I'm going to value some kind of sleep i'm gonna go with don't worry be happy because at least that'll put me on some kind of island somewhere and i can tune it out as i'm sleeping man am i gonna get rickrolled or am i gonna beat on my chest to make awesome music i think i'm gonna go with bobby mcferrin because i'm pretty sure that i'm gonna be beating to my chest along with the music and it'll be so uh damaging that they'll have to at least send me to the infirmary and get me out of uh solitary I think I'd just say, don't worry, be happy. Because in the end, it's only two days, and I'll be happy after those two days. Um, it's not a bad song. Jeez. Um, I, I guess I'd probably have to go with, don't worry, be happy. You know, either song's probably going to drive me completely insane, but don't worry be happy he's got a little bit more of a, a positive spin to it so uh, you know I, I would think hey you know I'm, I'm going crazy here but you know i'm not gonna worry about it <laughs> i'm just gonna be happy okay if if i have to pick between these two begrudgingly i'm gonna go with don't worry be happy because at least it's, it's a little mellow um and 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 it has you know the the acoustics. I could you know I'm spending my time in the hole. I can I can bang it on the walls, um, and <laughs> it, it would might make me feel better. I could not worry and be happy for 48 hours. Um, I, I I could I couldn't stand to hear um, Rake's voice for more than five minutes. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't go it wouldn't go off so swell. Um, yeah, and I can I can imagine the video. So that one would be good, um, and there's a lot of things about "Don't worry, be happy." I can I can trick myself into uh, liking to get through the days. Uh, George Carlin said some bad things about it. it was hilarious, and um, and I could just you know practice my accent, my fake Jamaican accent. I'll do that. Oh, that's easy. I would take the Rick Astley song over the Bobby McFerrin song. Um, I think when the Don't Worry Be Happy song came out and it was all that smiley face craze, I didn't even like it then. So as an adult, I can't fathom myself hearing it over and over and over again. The the pain and the torture, 
I honestly, if I'm in solitary confinement and that song is on, I honestly would take my underwear and shove it down my throat and kill myself. Or hang myself, whatever is easier. Because there is no way I want that song playing. And as bad as I, and I as bad as getting Rick, you know, Rick rolled is, I rather, rather have Rick Astley playing. Plus he's, you know, more dreamy. Never gonna give you up by Rick Astley. Because I hate Don't Worry Be Happy. But I'm down with Astley. I'm on board with that. Like, I'm one of those people who was, like, not upset whenever I got Rick rolled. I'm like, yes! Rick Astley. You know? Like, it just didn't bother me. Um... The only reason I'm going to choose Never Gonna Give You Up is is there, there's obviously a little bit of a humor factor there. And I can I can maybe pick, well, this will only get me through probably the first 30 minutes, but I can picture all the times that I've been Rickrolled and didn't see it coming. Uh, if, if I was in uh, solitary confinement, I think I might go... <sighs> I think I'm going to go Rick Astley. I, I think I could try... I, I, if While listening to it, I would try and emulate the, the tone of his voice and think I could pull it off. Though I think I'm one of the only people in this world that actually enjoys the Don't Worry, Be Happy. Oh my god, it is so funny. I originally was thinking you were going to give me a choice, and I was going to pick my 80s song. You named the 80s song I was going to pick. I would gladly take Rick Astley for that 48-hour period. On a loop, over and over, over and over. Come on, Rick Astley. You know, what I would do is I would close my eyes. I would get into a yoga-type position. And I don't do yoga. I would kind of meditate, but I would picture in my brain the music video and how cheery and happy and pumped up the guy was, and I would smile. And I could do that for two days. If you put anybody in a room for an hour with the don't worry be happy in real life they would come out and probably kill people okay it's topic trivia time for wapner's revenge here's the question we asked our panelists both don't worry be happy and never gonna give you up held the number one position on the billboard hot 100 charts for the same number of weeks how many was it one two or three weeks okay do you got your answer let's see how our panelists did um i'm gonna say two i gotta i gotta say three weeks uh i want to say three weeks um i'm gonna go with three let's go with three both of those songs held number one for one two or three weeks i'll go three Wow. Um, I'm going to go with two. I want to say... I want to say... Two. I'm going to go with three. Uh, let's, let's go right in the middle. We'll say two. I want to say that it was actually a quite popular song. Uh, at least don't worry, be happy. I'm actually going to say three. Which of these two cartoon shows deserved more than the 13 episodes in its original run? Pole position? From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. They're moving real fast, they're the only ones who can get there on time. Okay. 
Turbo Team. Master, it was a stormy night when a bolt of lightning forced me off the road. My car skidded into a government laboratory where a top secret experiment was underway. I swerved into the path of Dr. Chase's molecular transfer ray, causing me and my car to become one. The incredible Turbo Team! That's a hard one. I like both of those. That ain't fair. Was Turbo Teen the one about the kid that turned into a car? Um, okay. I'm going to go with that one. I, as weird of a premise as, as it was, you know, I, I think I could probably watch, you know, maybe 16 or 17 episodes of it. So give it, give it another month's worth of, of episodes. If I had to choose between the two, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Turbo Teen because I, I honestly don't remember pole position. I know it had a cartoon, and but uh, I couldn't tell you what the plot line was. But I, I sure as hell remember vividly Turbo Teen and him, his face stretching out to form the, the, the front of the car and his hand turning into the tire. Uh, so I feel like they solved mysteries can't tell you how uh, what the plot line was but yeah definitely turbo teen because that was just a wild coke induced concept <laughs> that someone thought of i'm gonna go with pole position because i remember the arcade game so if it was anything like the arcade game then all right i'm all right with it i uh i got a lot of mileage out of that arcade game you know i did not watch either of those so, if I pick one, I'm picking it purely on which one sounds cooler. Turbo Teen. Oof. I remember the Turbo one, but I don't remember the other one. Quite honestly, I don't think either of them should have made more than 13 episodes. But, um, if I have to choose one, I don't know, a guy turning into his ca- his own car sounds kind of stupid. Um, oh gosh. that You know, that's a really tough one. Um, like I said, the fact that they lasted 13 episodes is a shock. It, it had to be on like one of those channels between um, the Italian channel and the Spanish channel that you never turned on. Uh, I'm just going to go with pole position based on the fact that if he gets hot and he transforms into the car, it's going to cause a little damage because what if he's with his lady friend and she turns up the heat on him and he ends up transforming and he kills her? This guy would kill more people than this. That's not a cartoon I would watch. So I, I would go, well, maybe I would. Although I'm thinking in my adult head, that would be kind of exciting. But uh, 
Yeah, I'm gonna go with pole position. Oh, that's an easy one. Turbo Teen. I um, it's it's a goofy as hell uh, cartoon, but I I absolutely loved it. You know, I think I caught every single one of those episodes in their original run, and there was just something magical about a dude turning into a car when he got hot, and uh, turning back into a dude when he got cold. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I love both of those, actually. I, I love the animation and uh, pole position, and I love the opening credit sequence. But, man, for the, just the sheer wackiness, I'm going to have to go with Turbo Team. Oh, hands down, pole position. Uh, I don't even remember Turbo Team. Like, I I know about it because a lot of my friends thought about it, and I might have seen, like, a couple episodes. But it was just kind of weird to see a dude just change into a car and all the sweating and everything. It was just kind of like, you know, it's not good hygiene. But you know, pole position was based on a video game. Uh, but I think the problem with pole position was, even though you could play the video game pole position, the video game was nothing like the, the cartoon. The cartoon made you wish the video game was better. Like, wait, wait, there's a car that can like be a hovercraft that can like you know kind of float over water. There's another car that's got little skis on it. Come on, man. What you know? What are you doing? And and, and uh, I mean, pole position it, for the mere fact of that that intro music the uh the opening theme is just so freaking awesome you know man that that had you wanting to just get in your car and just push like 85 90 and you know and not get pulled over by the cops man it was beautiful only problem i had with pole position too was uh they had they had to introduce a little raccoon or chinchilla or something in, in one of the vehicles you know i guess there's a little side comic relief or whatever he did nothing i don't know what he did he probably just left a little you know chinchilla turds all over the back seat of uh, the, the red vehicle with the red ride but uh other than that you know it's it's a lot better turbo team this kid's sweating and getting migraines all the time just to turn into a car i i i didn't get that i'm gonna have to kind of side with pole position only slightly reason being i liked talking cars and, and it was kind of cool that they could pull out the little voice boxes kind of like tv screens and, and carrying them around Plus the cars transformed and could fly or uh, I think one of them could water ski or both of them could water ski. What little I remember. I remember it was a blue kind of futuristic kind of mostly glass dome car. And the other one was like an old 65 Mustang. I wanted, I liked Turbo Teen. I loved it too because I thought it was kind of cool that you could kind of transform into your own car whenever you wanted to and then transform back. But his limitation was heat and cold if he was cold he got back to being a human and if he got heated up he would turn into a car so it kind of defeated the purpose especially i don't want to be changing you know from trans am to freaking person as i walk out from work or something okay well see here's the thing pole position great video game and 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 the cartoon was 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 decent. I think um, I think I think Turbo Team was a better show. But then again, all right, let, let's think about this, shall we? Um, you have Rodin, you have Wheels. Um, you had the, uh, the the face, face <laughs> and the dash. Hmm, who would deserve more episodes? We got to go Turbo Team. The mere fact that the guy uh, turns in to the car and the gigantic smile becomes the front grill. I mean, granted, as a kid, that is very uh, scary. 
and it's, it's scarring to, to to see that happen. But just just think of the uh, the, the technology that they could do with that now. Um, but then again, pole position had the water skis and stuff in the vehicles. But but then you got the uh, you got Turbo Team with the with the water and the hot and the cold. We got to go with with Turbo Team. It's for the teenagers. It's for the kids. And we'll 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 leave uh, pole position for a reboot for the Xbox 720 when it comes out. Neither of them. Ooh. Hmm. I think tur- I'll go Turbo Team for two reasons. I re- I I don't remember either one very well. Uh, but I remember Turbo Teen just slightly more, so it must have made more of an impression on me. And also, it's just a more original concept. Um, now, I'm sure somebody's going to um, tweet me and say that it was ripped off from a Japanese show that was, you know, exactly like it, called like Auto Kid or something. But for the most part, I think it's just a more uh, original concept. And. Um, it's amazing that they each only got 13 episodes when back then it seemed like all you had to have was a concept and some voice talent and and these cartoons would bang out like 59 episodes in one season. It's like, where do they get the... I, they just would crank them out. Turbo Team was just, I guess, one of those things that like once you see it, you can't unsee like his face just completely like going deformed and turning into like the grill of a car I mean it's almost like that G.I. Joe episode where Shipwreck basically watches all his friends like melt it's like you can't unsee that animation as a kid it's getting cold Brett where's Turbo Team Turbo Team I, I sent him to get gas Wow, what a car! Topic trivia time again on the Pole Position arcade game. What year did the Pole Position game hit arcades? Was it 82, 83, or 84? Okay, you got your year? Let's see how our panelists did. Hmm, I'm gonna go with 82. I'm gonna be ashamed if I get this raw piece because we just didn't, uh, I just did an arcade games post a while back. But I'm going to go with 82. Um, you know, when you when you first set it, I, I, I'm usually pretty good, even if I haven't seen something like the movie or a television show. I can remember the year, even if I wasn't involved with watching it. And when you first said it, I I had 84 in my brain. Um, let me see. The 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 cartoon was 84. So it had to come out before then. Um, so I'm gonna go with 82. Let's go with 83. I'll go 83. Let's go with 84. I was gonna guess without you even giving me a year, but I was gonna say 82. Uh, I'm gonna go with 82. Before you even gave me uh, selections, I went with in my head 82 popped up. Uh, I am going to say 83. Trapped. It's a trap! Trapped. Send booty traps. You mean booby traps. That's what I said, booby traps! Oh, in the general, it's a trap. Trapped. Lord Vader set a trap for him. Why do you say you feel trapped? 
In this topic, our podcast panel becomes trapped with only a couple random 80 celebrities to help them out. They'll have to use their wits and a little ingenuity to get out of the situation. Could this be a trap? I always think everything could be a trap. That's why I'm still alive. In this episode, our podcast panel is trapped on a deserted island with only two other people. They must work together if they're going to survive until rescue comes. Their fellow survivors are two 80s TV commercial pitch men. The first is Jacko, the Australian Energizer Batteries guy. What's the longest lasting battery you can buy? I'm getting some pride New Energizer! You topped the test! New Energizer went best! And the other survivor is electronic superstore guru Crazy Eddie. It's Crazy Eddie Day! You'll save money like never before during Crazy Eddie's Crazy Eddie Day sale with the guaranteed lowest prices on anything and everything in home entertainment. Shop around, get the lowest sale prices you can find, then go to Crazy Eddie and he'll beat them! It's Crazy Eddie Day! Save big, big, big bucks during Crazy Eddie's Crazy Eddie Day sale. Crazy Eddie, his prices are insane! Well... The nice thing is, Crazy Eddie is already insane, so you don't have to worry about like being marooned with him and having him go crazy. He's already there, so he's learned to cope with that in his daily life. So he's probably uh, going to be a go-to guy here. Um, the Energizer. Didn't he say it'll surprise ya? I'm gonna, I'm gonna bank on the fact that the Energizer really is packing a serious surprise, and that it somehow has uh, some mystical powers that can transport us somewhere to safety. I'm gonna bet, and, and if it's not true, then I'm gonna scream false advertising and me and Crazy Eddie are gonna whip old Energizer guy's ass. Well, uh, Jacko uh, would be probably my muscle. Uh, so I'm, I'm utilizing him to maybe rip up some uh, palm trees and, I don't know, break some coconuts for food. I mean, he's just raring to go. You would think he maybe did a line of Coke uh, before he did his commercial. So he's just just crazy. But then you got the, the same dichotomy as Crazy Eddie, who's just manic as well. So I, I, I might send him off to maybe see if there's any natives on the island. He could speak with them and uh, maybe do some bartering for uh, supplies, hopefully. But if we're the only three there, uh, I, I'm thinking we... Uh, we turn on each other, and uh, unfortunately, Jacko wins in that in that instance, and he probably kills us both and eats us. All right, well, let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm on, stuck on this island with Jacko, the Oi guy from Energizer, and uh, the Crazy Eddie guy, who's insane. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. One thing is, both of them have a crap load of energy. I know that. You know, uh, you know, they're all freaked out. You know, and I think what's going to have to happen is Jacko is more he's not only animated but he's also a very physical guy he's like busting out of the uh, you know uh, the commercial and everything and jumping around so uh the first thing we're gonna have to do is gather some wood so I'll probably have him just running around doing that uh you know to get wood for a fire and build a raft or whatever and uh I think what's gonna have to happen is crazy Eddie 
uh, because he's going to keep talking about deals and stuff and, you know, stuff that's on sale and going insane with that, um, I'll probably have to sit you know, send him to get food like coconuts or fish or whatever, uh, you know, to at least give us some sustenance. Uh, all the while, I'm basically just building this raft so I can get out of there. And uh, I'll probably end up, once the raft is built, uh, leaving with Jacko, and we're going to find a way to either put Crazy Eddie to good use or something, maybe as a lookout or, you know, to, to, to basically call ahead. Or we might leave him on the island because it's just going to be so damn annoying with all the, uh, you know, we're going to be like, Hey, Crazy Eddie, you know, we're going to get up on this, you know, raft after we eat this fish or whatever. He's like, oh, fish. Well, I've got coconuts. I've got palm trees. I got palm fronds. I got mackerel. It's insane. He's going to be trying to sell us all the time. He's going to be trying to sell us sand and salt water and seawater and Wilson and all this other stuff he found on the island. We're going to be like, dude, relax, chill out. And, you know, Jacko's going to be like, look, look, mate, you know, we're going to get off this island one way or another. Oi, you know, energizer. And, and it's going to be crazy. So I don't know. No, but uh, it's going to be me and Jacko getting off in that raft. You know, Crazy Eddie, you're going to have to find your own way off. I think I would hope that I have a pistol on myself and just shoot myself in the head because I don't want to be trapped on any desert island with either of those people. Okay, here's what I have to do, and, and no one wants to say this, but I got to team up with Jacko, survivor style. We got to walk off on the beach together for a couple minutes, and I got to get Jacko to kill Crazy Eddie. Um, because at the end of the day, the raft's not going to be big enough. Um, we may need food, and what better uh, to eat than Crazy Eddie? Oh, gee. Um, all right, well, I'm assuming that the Australian maybe has some, you know, I'm picturing him being kind of like Crocodile Dundee. So I'm assuming he has some, some nature survival skills. So I'm going to lean on him a lot for, you know, building a fire and, uh, and fashioning uh, fishing equipment out of coconuts and and uh, palm tree leaves and crazy Eddie uh, yeah I would think of him as ba- basically being you know mostly the, the entertainment on the island the factor that keeps us from losing our minds while we wait to be rescued plus uh, I remember I remember those commercials being kind of loud. So you know, maybe maybe he's loud enough where planes passing overhead or uh, ships traveling close by, maybe they can hear him. All right. Initially, I wanted less people involved in this, and I was going to have Jacko kill Crazy Eddie. Then we could uh, make a smaller raft and have less to fight over for food as we were taking off. But we need him because he is an electronics guru, if I remember correctly. So we will channel his inner MacGyver and we will hopefully, Jacko's got some batteries, some batteries there. And maybe Crazy Eddie, as we got shipwrecked, had like, uh, you know, like a Casio keyboard and maybe he had like, um, you know, some sort of uh, early cellular telephone technology. He's not going to have any of that, is he? We're going to die on the island. Well, I would think that, um, I would think, what's his name that says, Oi! We kind of know a thing or two being from Australia. Not that that's any big thing, but he just puts in my mind he's from the Outback. Uh, Australian Outback. Fast Eddie, or Crazy Eddie, I'm sorry, 
well, I just can't see Crazy Eddie knowing anything more than uh, appliances. And if I'm trapped somewhere, unless I'm trapped in an appliance store, he's not going to help me. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the other dude, uh, the, the get new energizer, oi, guy, Jacko. Well, I think I could probably ride the energizer bunny Jacko guy as a raft off the island and get to the mainland simply on his energy alone. So I'm going to have to say that I would kill and slowly try to beef jerky rise <laughs> Crazy Eddie and try to ride the uh, Energizer Bunny guy like a raft off the island. I probably wouldn't get very far, but that, that would be my first inclination. Uh, Crazy Eddie was probably connected uh, to the mob, and I know the IRS was after him at one point. So the feds would probably come and find us if I was with Crazy Eddie. I'm bringing Crazy Eddie because he's just got a load of trouble and there are going to be people looking for that dude. That's my plan, Stan. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> um, okay. See, seeing as though um, we were marooned on this on this deserted island from uh, um, while we were on Hasbin Con 2013, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jacko and, and Eddie, uh, uh, J&E, we, we got to wait. We don't know how long that uh, it's going to take until the rescue rescue party comes because they're really not looking for us or they'll probably feel they're better off without us. So what we got to do is we got to figure out a way to get Crazy Eddie to hook us up some uh, some, 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 some electricity with, with some coconuts and some, um, some prongs and and I think we got some flint. We got, I don't know where flint came from. We got flint and we got wires. It's, I think this is the Lost Island. This is the, um, the orchid station. Um, what we're gonna do with Jacko, Jacko is gonna have to get us food. So he, he, he was a, uh, a footballer. That's what they call him over in uh, Australia. So he's just gonna go uh, shoulder tackle wild boar. And as, as we're ro- roasting the boar and uh, using the, uh, <laughs> The fur for warmth. We'll take the tusks, and we'll uh, we'll have Crazy Eddie use those as semiconductors. It's possible. It could happen. And 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 somehow, some way, we're going to uh, create a satellite dish, and we're going to watch NFL Red Zone <laughs> on the island while we wait for the rescue team to come. That's what we're going to do, and 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 that's how we're going to survive. Well, I, I guess after a week of being on the island, I'd probably want to murder them. And since we're on the island and no one would know, I would murder them. And then I would actually enjoy this, you know, being in the solitude. And then I would figure out a way off the island. But to get off the island would be uh, proved difficult because I am not good with that kind of stuff. So what I would end up having to do is kill them and, and basically survive as long as I can by myself and if food was scarce I would eat their bodies and, and dispose of the evidence and, and, and just live the rest of my life on this island fishing and maybe yelling at my volleyball Wilson um, and, and hoping for the best and then maybe one day along the line someone would come and rescue me and say what happened to these two guys and I say what are you talking about they're not here and, and everything would be good but otherwise I I think I would enjoy being alone for a couple months um, without them, especially because I remember Crazy Eddie um, watching it and wanting to throw. Well, it wasn't really a remote, but it was a remote where 
it had a long cord that attached to the TV box. So, like, you sat across the room and you slid it. And every time he came on, I had to turn the channel. So he'd be the first to die. And then um, and then the, 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 the next guy would, uh, the Energizer Bunny guy, would I would probably bash his face in with a rock while he slept. And then, and then I would keep going and going and going and going. Done. Okay, now that our panelists have come up with their daring rescue plans... Let's see how they did on their topic trivia question. Crazy Eddie was convicted in 1993 after numerous federal security law violations in the 80s. How many years of prison was he sentenced to serve? Was it more or less than six years? Okay, you've got your guess. Let's see what our panelists said. Um, I'm going to say more than six years. Less than six years. I... I could have sworn he went away for a long time, and, and in my brain, six years is not a long time, never serving a day in prison, mind you. Um, I want to say more than six. Um, I'm going to go with more. More. Let's go with more. I'm going to say less. Oh, probably less. I'm going to say less. Pretty harsh on that, so I'm going to say more than six. I would have to say more. Which fast food restaurant offering that began in the 80s would you like to see make a comeback? The McDonald's McDLT? Hey, you say you're getting tired of lettuce and tomato hamburgers that don't quite make it? Then look at McDonald's new McDLT. I'm talking quarter pound of beef on the hot, hot side. The new McDLT. Crisp lettuce and tomato on the cool, cool side. The new McDLT. Cool, crisp. The beef stays hot. The cool stays crisp. Put it together, you can't leave this. Could be the best lettuce and tomato hamburger ever. It's a good time for the The Wendy's Super Bar Buffet? Wendy's, where you get the best burgers in the business, introduces the new Super Bar, featuring salad by Selena, fettuccine by Frank, tortillas by Teresa, and everything a la Al. Where for one low price, you can create a lunch or dinner with unlimited seconds, so you can have just about anything you're in the mood for, even if you're in the mood for everything. Like Al. Wendy's new Super Bar. Create your own meal. Or the Taco Bell Choco Taco. Take a boat. Hop a train. Catch a plane. Make a run to the border. Because for a limited time, Taco Bell has lowered the price of its new grilled chicken fajita to just 99 cents. A deal this hot won't last forever. So get going. Get a grilled chicken fajita for just 99 cents. Absolutely bring me back the McDLT. That was a damn good sandwich, and it's making me hungry for one right now. I remember that sandwich. It was basically, you know, just the quarter pounder sandwich, but with like the lettuce, tomato, mayo, cheese topping. Hell yeah, dude. That that was a good sandwich. I'm on that. It was good shit. As much as I like keeping the hot hot and the cold cold, I think I'm going to go with the Choco Taco on this one. The uh, the Super Bar at a fast food uh, buffet, that's never a good thing. As I don't remember ever really eating at it, but I've never had a good experience at a fast food buffet. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Choco Taco on that one. Prepackaged, and I know exactly what I'm getting. 
I would actually like the Wendy's Super Bar because I actually like salad over candy and chocolate, whatever. I, I vaguely remember the chocolate to- chocolate taco and just that McDonald's sandwich just sounds freaking nasty. I remember it, but I'm not, I'm not a fan of BLTs by any... All I want is the freaking bacon. Wow. Good choices. Can you not still get a Choco Taco at the at the at your local grocer? I think Klondike makes them. Um, the only reason I, I even know that I've never gotten them at the store, but I just remember the first time I ever saw them at Taco Bell, they were like in a little, you know, almost like a mini a glass front mini fridge on the counter, and I was kind of like, it, I had remember seeing them at a grocery store before and thinking like, is this franchise owner just going rogue and offering dessert like on his own? Because it was like not on the menu and like it was like served out of this it it, it just didn't look uh standard issue taco bell but yeah since then uh, i actually didn't even notice that they were gone um and i think yeah klondike uh makes choco tacos and they're available so with that being said it's between the mcdlt and the super bar I, as soon as you said mcdlt my mind was made up that was gonna win because i love that thing but the Super Bar was outstanding. Um, although, when it existed, I sort of took it for granted and I never really got, I can't say never, but I rarely partook of the Super Bar. So, I'll go with the McDLT because even now you could go in and say, I want, you know, a quarter pounder, but um, hold the ketchup, pickle, onion, and lettuce and mustard and uh, add lettuce and tomato, but it wouldn't come separated hot side and cold side. Oh, this is easy. We we, we, we cut out the, the bar. We don't want that. And the Choco Taco, people confuse that uh, with, with the ice cream truck, and they oh, we can get a Choco Taco. No, 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 no. We want to make DLT. Um, for no other reason than the hot, the hot side stays hot, and the cool side stays cool. We could get Costanza back. We can we can we can get Costanza to dance and and twirl and lollygag in the street in his white blazer um, and scat <laughs> and uh, uh, we could turn it into um, uh, Christmas. They could roll it around Christmas and it could be the official uh, sandwich for Festivus. This is a whole massive tie-in. We have a Festivus sandwich. Uh, we got Costanza dancing and scatting. Um, we we can we can bring back styrofoam for our, our fast food products, which is good. Uh, that uh, is too big for the bag, so you got to put it in sideways, and then all your cool side spills over to your hot side, and then it's just all warm. And um, and and I think that's what we do. Yeah, big DLT. Oh, easy. This is an easy question. Uh, you you a very picky eater. I am, and everyone around me knows that. So as we're starting to go through these uh, choices, I'm like. Well, I never ate that at McDonald's. Uh-oh, somebody said salad bar? Ah, I'm not going to be anywhere near there. Oh, chocolate tacos? Uh, I uh, actually worked at Taco Bell for a good portion of my late high school, early college years, uh, getting me through uh, early semesters and, and uh, late night uh, taco runs and all that good stuff. And um, it was right on the end of the uh, Choco Taco run. And I can remember having to tell customers when they came in uh, at the tail end of their order, yeah, you know, take four tacos, uh, give me a Mountain Dew, 
I order nachos and I'll take a choco taco. Uh, sorry, sir, we no longer carry those. Sorry, what? Excuse me? Forget, I don't want anything, and they'd leave. I mean, literally, there would be people that their whole meal would be based around that choco taco. So that is the one that's got to come back. We're a fat society now. Why not bring a little extra chocolate in our life? I'm, I'm going to eliminate Choco Taco right off the bat because that's not really that good. The the buffet, oh gosh, I remember that as a kid. It was like the smorgasbord of germs and phlegm, but everybody loved it. And I think Pizza Pizza Hut might still do that, but it's so it was so good because you could get like a serving of chocolate pudding next to uh, a, a serving of salad. I mean, that's the greatest combination in the world. Um, but hands down, I would want the McDLT back. But the one stipulation is, is that they got to bring back styrofoam because nothing says a McDonald's burger more than styrofoam containers. And and how great of a, a gimmick was that where you had the cold side and the hot side and then you flipped the styrofoam over. And, and I think they've done studies where styrofoam or some styrofoam back then had like a, a cancer agent in it so so not only are you eating a delicious burger you're also potentially killing yourself two times over so the mig dlt hands down oh see i'm not a huge chocolate fan i don't really care i mean taco taco it's cool in name but i never really ordered it all that much i gotta go with mig dlt the hot stays hot the cool stays cool <laughs> they just had the most awesome ad campaign ever with uh uh, what's his name from Seinfeld? Ah, Jason Alexander. I mean, everybody's dancing in the streets over this freaking McDLT. It was just, it was great. It's like one of my favorite commercials of all time. Oh, definitely the Choco Taco. Um, I was never, never much a fan of the the Super Bar at Wendy's. Um, and McDonald's and I don't get along. Um, ever since they served me a raw burger a couple of years ago. So definitely going to go with the Choco Taco. Uh, you know what? It's it's got to be the Choco Taco. Uh, see, I honestly thought they still had that. Maybe three or four months ago, I went to Taco Bell and I was like, oh, "What do they got in the desserts?" I got the, and they didn't have it. I was I was crushed. And it's just it, I don't understand how you not still have that. It's it's just taking the whole gimmick of Taco Bell and putting it into a dessert form, and it's just perfect. You got the you got chocolate and you got a, a cookie like taco thing. It's just, uh, or ice cream cone. It's just so perfect. I don't even. I don't even think they still sell them in the stores. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm going with the uh, the Choco Taco. Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> well, let's eliminate the Wendy Super Bar like right off the bat because uh, something tells me that has to uh, to do with salad. I don't remember it too much. Um, but uh, nah, that's, I'm okay. They've got the 99 cent menu at Wendy's. I need like a load of chili and uh, you know. And chicken, chicken nuggets, and have a good time with that, and you know, the cheeseburgers. But um, let's see now to choose between the McDLT and the uh, the Taco Bell Choco Taco. Uh, the Choco Taco uh, was interesting for its time, and uh, you know I actually had a couple of those at Taco Bell. But uh, I got to go with the McDLT for a couple reasons. One is you know the hot stays hot and the crisp stays cool, and uh, if you bring back the McDLT. You're either going to bring back the old file footage of the George Costanza commercial where Jason Alexander's dancing in the street doing a dance number for the McDLT, or 
you're going to do a new commercial a la Ferris Bueller when they brought back Matthew Broderick, and you're going to have an old Jason Alexander still doing the dance with the McDLT, um, but I probably would rather the former, because if they do the new one, it's probably going to have like auto-tune or dubstep or some crap in there, and they're going to make it all modern. But yeah, bring back the McDLT, just so I can see Costanza dancing in the streets again. Could be the best-tasting lettuce and tomato hamburger ever! McDLT! Okay, the panel has made their choices. Let's see how they did on their topic trivia. And just for the record, I came up with the trivia question when I came up with the topic. What Seinfeld star is known for appearing in a McDLT TV commercial? Uh, no, I'm just guessing here on this one. But I'm going to go with Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. You don't have to give me choices because courtesy of the Eclectic Discussion podcast. I recall hearing the commercial during one of the shows, and I'm fairly certain... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I'm thinking of Jason Alexander doing a KFC ad. But I'm going to go with Jason Alexander, because I'm sure he did, he did his rounds in the fast food world. Ah, uh, yeah, you gotta go, uh, Jason Alexander. The guy was, the guy was incredible. He had his, he had his Don Johnson blazer, and he had uh, a little bit more hair, and he had an audience of uh, teenagers, and he was scatting and, and and running around the street with this styrofoam container with his half a sandwich in it. Uh, he, he was, he was the epitome of cool back then. Jason Alexander. That was Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. George Costanza, a.k.a. Jason Alexander. Uh, Jason Alexander? Jason Alexander is the only one that did commercial work, so I'm going to go with him. I'd have to just guess Seinfeld. I have no idea. Okay, we've reached the halfway point of the show. Let's do a quick check of the trivia leaderboard. Okay, we've got Brian and Tank, both with a perfect 5 for 5, with Eclectic 1 behind with 4. And bringing up the rear is my buddy Wyatt, with 1 and 3 quarters points for his 3 out of 4 Ghostbusters. Let's see if he can turn it around in the second half of the show. It's time to take a short break, but before we get to the break... It's time for the Backward Song Challenge. Backward Song Challenge. See if you can guess this song. Okay, let's hear that clue one more time. Find out the answer right after the break. What is the Walking Dads podcast? You'll just have to listen to find out. What they can do with this baby? I mean, the baby's got to be fed. Yeah. You can't exactly give it, you know, corn or whatever they have in the uh, or potatoes <laughs> that they have in the in the prison kitchen. They got to get some some formula. True. Right. I mean, got to keep this baby alive now. Right. Or or else somebody better start lactating real quick. Maggie. <laughs> or Herschel. Herschel. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, he's, he's got some man boobs, doesn't he? <laughs> There's some guy named Leslie. That's true. Why do you think it's short for something else? Well, I think it's short for Merlin. Merlin? Merlin, yeah. Do you think he's a wizard? This is Hail Mary. Please follow The Walking Dads on Facebook.com slash The Walking Dads Podcast. Also, give us a listen on Stitcher Radio, Buzzsprout, and iTunes. 
Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Tansky. And I'm Dan Fogarty. Together, we host the Title Pending Movie Podcast. Title Pending is a weekly show where Tank and I get together and go over what's going on in the world of movies. Each episode, folks and I take a look at the biggest new release of the week and discuss the weekend's box office data. Then we pick a topic to discuss in depth from top tens to current issues to subjects that tie in to that week's new releases. We always do our best to entertain and enlighten. So come and check it out. Good times good films check out the title pending movie podcast available on itunes stitcher radio and everywhere that quality podcasts are found welcome back to the rediscover the 80s podcast backwards song challenge okay did you guess the backwards song challenge let's see what it was If you guessed Voices Carry by Till Tuesday, you are correct. Although primarily known as a one-hit wonder, Till Tuesday had another song that reached number 26 in 1986 called What About Love. Lead singer Amy Mann also went on to be featured on Rush's 1987 song Time Stands Still. Thank you for that lovely tune. That funky music will drive us till the dawn. Let's go, let's boogaloo till we puke. All right, it's time to get back to the show. Television. Oh, Alf. When I watched Alf and when it was on, I, I, I absolutely loved it. I watched Alf religiously. Uh, Shouts to Gordon Shumway. Oh, I wish I would have watched more of it lately. Oh, I loved Alf. Oh, f- I thought you would say cheers or something good. You're going to give me Alf? Oh, Alf. Man, Elf was pretty cool. I was 10 when Elf started, and obviously a 10-year-old's just going to easily gravitate to this puppet character. So, he was from Melmac. <laughs> uh, he lived with the Tanner family. Elf, all right. Oh, man, Elf was one of those first sitcoms. So, basically, the rule in my house was uh, I was allowed to have the TV when I got home from school till about 6 o'clock when the news came on, and then my dad sequestered it for the rest of the evening. And ALF was one of the first shows that I was able to, like, worm my way into getting them to let me watch, probably because it was so up my alley and kid-centric, and the only time you could see it was at night that they had no excuse but to, like, relent for a half an hour. So, um, ALF was, like, a big deal for me because I got to watch TV later in the evening, and it wasn't just my dad watching old westerns or something goofy like 2020. So, um, yeah, I definitely loved that show. Alf uh, clearly pandered to children. Um, When you look back at it today, it is a god-awful television show. But I remember it in such high regard because, hey, it had some sort of Muppet that came from another planet that had a girlfriend named Rhonda that liked the Beach Boys. I don't know. It was... I want to say it was dreadful, as a young guy, I could recall watching it and, and just saying, this is not very good, but I cannot turn it off because the Muppet is kind of funny. The family itself was dreadful. Uh, poor acting, uh, poor storytelling. The, the the neighbor was, I don't know, it was just it was just terrible. Did the show even make it to syndication? I don't even think it did. I, I don't know. He looked like a big anteater. And uh, 
his name was Gordon. One of my favorite things about Alf was um, Alf's special Christmas, if you remember that Christmas special, where he has to, like, deliver a baby in the elevator, and then there's, like, this little girl with cancer <laughs> that he's trying to, like, make her happy, and then, like, he's also in trouble with the Tanners because I think he had, like, done something to all the Christmas gifts, like, he changed the tags to save her from Alf, um, so he was just, like, a troublemaker. Um, I don't know. I used to watch it a lot. It was a good show. I always thought it was cool that uh, the little kid on Elf was shared my name. So you know, I kind of would would have kind of imagined myself as as Brian Tanner <laughs> instead of Brian Morin. So you know, that was a very memorable show. It was a great it was a great show for a few reasons. One, I liked the whole alien uh, life form. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, Gordon Shumway, that was cool, and the Akmonics that you never saw. But shout-outs to uh, Trevor and, <laughs> and Raquel Akmonic, because we never saw them. They were dope. And trying to eat the Lucky. you got to eat a uh, Lucky cat. The only good cat is a stir-fried cat. I remember that he loved cats to actually eat, not to pet, or go meow-meow. He loved eating them. All I know about Alf is he used to eat cats. Yeah, who can forget that Elf uh, had an affinity for eating cats, but he couldn't eat the family cat. The fact that there was a furry alien running around chasing a cat um, and trying to eat him um, kind of, I don't know, it made, it, it made funny. The fact that he ate cats, like as a delicacy, that was his food. And then he had to basically live on Earth in a house with cat with a cat named Lucky, which is probably the weirdest name you can give a cat that could be eaten at any moment, uh, was hilarious. Your eyelids are growing heavy. You are getting sleepy. You are no longer a cat. You are a bagel. Dude, hey, you scared me. You ought to wear a bell. What's going on here? Um, I was, uh, I was just teaching Lucky how to tell time. Show Willie what you've learned. You were hypnotizing him, weren't you? Okay, you caught us. I'm trying to help Lucky beat his smoking problem. All right, it looks like it's once again time to restate the rules of the household. Rule number one, we do not eat members of the family. Willie, Willie, Willie. Lucky and I were just kidding around. Uh, look, uh, I gotta go pick up Kate and the kids. Now, while I'm gone, I'd like you to refrain from kidding Lucky. No problem. I'd also like you to refrain from playing with priceless family heirlooms. <laughs> it's broken. Lucky fell on it. You know, it's not always true that they land on their feet. Lucky? Lucky, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. You're not a bagel. You're not a bagel. But you are getting sleepy. Just kidding! <laughs> he had awesome catchphrases like, no problem. No problem. He used to burp a lot. I said no soda pop. It's not soda pop, it's beer. Uh, you're about out of course. <laughs> and his little laugh. <laughs> well, who is this little guy? Oh, this is Gordon, everyone. Gordon's an old friend of our family. Bernice, uh, don't mention his height. He's very sensitive. <laughs> hey, cowgirl! Nice calves! Ah, nice calves! <laughs> Do you remember also that they had an actual bottom half uh, costume for him? But they never actually showed him model. 
remember ever seeing him full uh, full up walking somewhere. You know, they either zoomed in on his bottom half or top half. The fact that the hands were he he um he was like Ernie. Ernie and Bert, where it was just one guy with the with the head and the other guy with the hands. And that one scene, I think it was in the beginning, and um, when you saw full body Alf, and it was disturbing because you're not used to seeing full body Alf, and he was a short, squatty person. We'll say a little person. That was that was that was disturbing. No, <laughs> wrong. Did you have any Alf toys or the trading cards or anything like that? That is the one benefit of having a. Uh... A non-human as your stars, you can uh, turn them into merch. Where, whereas you didn't see any like Mr. Belvedere plush filling up the shelves at Kmart. But I did. I had a, uh, I had a few of the cards, the Booyah baseball cards. I did not ever have the Elf like the quintessential Elf doll that everybody that that kind of like twelve-inch plush with the long hair, like the, like the one that everybody seemed to have that had like black marbles for eyes. Never had that one. Kids up the street had it, and I I desperately wanted one, but never got one. I used to have an elf stuffed doll that was at my grandmother's house, and I used to go over there and play with it. I never had any of the merchandise. I always coveted like the the plush elf figures and like the little uh, plastic minifigs and stuff like that. And hell, even the uh, the tops trading cards and stuff like that. I never got a chance to have any of that, and I've I've acquired a lot of it since. I think I have a full run of the Marvel comics, and. Uh, most of the uh, stickers that were released, whether they're puffy stickers or whatever. Loved watching the show. I uh, collected the comic books. I collected the ALF cards. I had um, the plush ALF. I think I had an ALF puppet. I never had the ALF uh, plushie. Um, I saw it. It was kind of scary to me. You know, you had, because back then you had, you had your ALF, you had your uh, My Pet Monster, and you had your um, uh, uh, My Buddy and Kid Sister. Uh, we, I think I stopped at Raggedy Ann and Andy, but the Alf, the Alf thing was, it was, it was too scary for me. Obviously, the show, in that short period, blew up, and uh, we had all the merchandising and and uh, Elf on Pogs. I'm just kidding, uh, but we had the the dolls, and I remember vividly the Burger King campaign where they had the, I think they they might have been stick stickum dolls for the windows. I had an Alf puppet that we used to get from Burger King. They had a little, little hand puppet. I had him for a long time. Burger King has been invaded by Alf puppets. Please help. Hey, I'm hungry. Yo, want a Whopper? No problem. Just two ninety-nine and a flame broiled Whopper or large sandwich gets you your own Alf. Four different furry aliens. Each comes with his own record. Cause we're doing the Nelmax Rock. These aliens are friendly, but they're getting out of hand. <laughs> Hurry, just two ninety-nine gets another Alf out of here. We, we do it like you do it at Burger King. I did get into the talk show. I did like the talk show. People, people sleep on the talk show. He had a um, like it was a, a Johnny Carson show, and he did a talk show for a while. I don't know how long. I don't even know if it lasted a season, um, but that was funny. And I did watch the movie. The movie was it was disappointing, but I had to watch. It. I needed some closure for my Gordon Shumway. Um And I was always upset with how it ended. You know, when it ended its run, and then they had the, I guess it was Project Alf or whatever it was, um, that kind of left Alf's fate up in the air. I know it had a really depressing ending, because, like, didn't he 
he, didn't he like get picked up by like the government and they were gonna like go dissect him or something in the very last episode? It's one of those like crazy things. Like I, I, I probably only saw that episode like once, like way back when it first aired. So I don't remember it all too well. I just know that it's on like lists of like, like if you if you do some googling, it's on lists as like sitcoms with like the most depressing or most horrible, traumatizing endings. Because he gets captured, and like you know, you're led to believe that <laughs> the government's gonna like you know slice him up because he's an alien. It's like you know, it had a big kid audience, you know, because it's this wisecracking alien. You know, I'm here for a good time. What's happening? You know, and all of a sudden he's getting captured and sent off to a government agency. Come on. And they keep trying to bring him back. I know he had his own talk show at one point, and I I don't know if he's still pertinent today, but this is definitely a show that I enjoyed watching. That's the thing these days, though. All these shows that I loved as a kid are very hard for me to watch now. They just don't hold up. Uh, it's sad, but the only one that does still kind of hold up to me, and, and that's Full House, and that show is just terrible. But that's like the only one that I can actually sit down and watch still and get some kind of enjoyment. But any other show that I used to watch, it's just like uh, fingernails on a chalkboard. I could squirt. Okay, it's topic trivia time on ALF. This was definitely the toughest question of this episode as zero panelists got this question right. What were the two planets that ALF claimed to exist beyond Pluto? Let's hear what they came up with, which was some interesting answers. Oh, you got me in this one. Um, I don't even think I, I could... Well, hold on a minute now. No, I could be totally wrong, but and I don't remember exactly what the names were, but were they planets that, that had like people's names? Um, nah, I I can't even think of a guess. Uh, I would say one was his home planet of Melmac, uh, and I am totally stuck on this, the other one. Let's go with we'll name one of them Screwbop. And T-Bag. Oh, okay. It was, um, they had, it was, one was a, a, a female name. It was like Sue or Craig. All right, hold on. Let me think, let me think, let me think. Um, um, all right. The planet where, all right. So yeah, Melmac. And he said that it was two more planets. Uh, I promise it was like Steve. <laughs> hold on. All right. I can't. It's not. It's not coming to me. It was. It was two planets, and the furthest one was called. God, it was a female name. Um. 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 I'm gonna go with uh, Ralph and Steve. <laughs> um. I have so many like elf words in my head that I'm not sure what they all mean like there's obviously Melmac there's like Wernick and I don't know if I can pull uh, no I'd be guessing and I don't even have have nonsense guesses uh Carson and McMahon Melmac would that be one of them I don't know they have like numbered names or something like XZY you know <laughs> 2000 or something uh Melmac and I don't know the other one. 
I'm probably, yeah, I'm definitely not going to get this. The only thing that I, I think would be one of them would be Melmac, but, ugh. Uh, you know what? I don't know that one. That's a good one. Mars and Venus? I guess you really have to be an ALF fan to get this question right. The answer was Dave and Alvin. Dave and Alvin. Do you remember? Do you remember? In this topic, we'll ask our podcast panel to dig deep into their memory banks and see if they can remember. What is the first movie you remember watching in your own home on a VCR or Betamax? One of the earliest movies I can remember is The Karate Kid. I don't know if it's I'm remembering it so well because it's like the first one I really fell in love with. Because I know I saw it when I was like like five years old or something like that. Um, yeah, I saw it like, you know, a, a year or so after it had come out and I just was totally enamored with it. Like I used to love it and watch it like all the time. Uh, I had a crush on Daniel LaRusso as a child. My mom used to say, like, who do you want to marry? I would be like, Daniel LaRusso. Like, I don't know. I used to kiss. The- she tells me I used to, like, kiss the screen whenever he would appear. I don't have any recollection of that, but I, I take her word for it. Um, I just remember it being, like, you know, something I would beg my parents to rent from the video store all the time. Hmm. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I'm, I'm trying to remember putting in a movie. And it was probably something that we rented. Uh, shouts to Blockbuster. So it might have, it might have been. It was either Greece. I love Greece, by the way. It was either Greece National Lampoons or one of those offshoot National Lampoons. It was like Hot Dog the Movie or, or Hamburger. Um, it might have been the Bandit. Could have been a bandit. He's I think it was Smokey and the Bandit because um, I wanted to say it was the Heavenly Kid, which I love. I love the Heavenly Kid, but I saw that on like HBO or Showtime. It was Smokey and the Bandit. I remember because yeah, I wanted I wanted Sally Field and Jackie Gleason was funny and it reminded me of Dukes of Hazard. So yeah, uh, shouts to Buford T Justice. That's uh, it was that it was that one. Hmm. I I can answer this kind of in two ways. I know we used to rent VHSs for a long time before we bought them. We were late adopters as far as buying them. Um, I want to say the first one that I got with a VHS when we rented both was um, Red Dawn. But I know for a fact that when we bought our VHS, uh, we bought um, two movies that, with it. Uh, we bought Robocop and uh, Batman, the, the second it came out on VHS. Um, but I want to say Red Dawn was one of the first ones that I rented uh, when we rented a VHS player. Jeez. Uh, um, my dad actually had the beta, which was pretty awesome. Um, it was funny because living in Rochester when he had it, there was only one video store that had the beta section. So it was like 
you walked in and it was like VHS everywhere. And then it was the porn section, or I should say the adult section. And then right in the corner was a little beta section. And, and I'm the, the first movie I remember ever seeing was Delta force with Chuck Norris. Um, which is what 1985 or something like that, which was a pretty badass movie. And being at that age when I saw it, it was obviously like the best movie I've ever seen. So um, I'm pretty sure I probably shouldn't have been watching it. Um, it scared the bejesus out of me because being that it was like uh, airplanes and terrorists and all that other crap. So not knowing better, I figured that's what happens the first time I'm going to go on a plane is you know these. Middle Eastern guys are going to take over and, you know, quarter all the Jews in one section and want to kill them all because of what they're doing to their area. Hey, it kind of sounds like now. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Delta Force with the man, the myth, the legend, Chuck Norris. I want to actually say it was one of the Ghostbusters movies. I want to say it was Ghostbusters 2. Not the first one. I want to say it was Ghostbusters 2. I remember watching. Has to be one of those. I recorded a lot of Stooges. Uh, um, I recorded the Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I think any any VHS. Uh, never had a Betamax, but I still have a VCR. And only just recently did I disconnect it, only because of the wife's opinion. Uh, the last movie I watched was also not too long ago, and it's one of my favorites. Transformers cartoon movie. I still love that movie, still find it fascinating. Uh, love it. Just wish they would come out on DVD. Uh, I remember kinda what it was. It was a Friday the 13th movie. And I had a birthday party and we rented a VCR because back in, in those days, VCRs were very, very expensive. So we rented one and I insisted on Friday the 13th, uh, one of the chapters, I'm not sure. It probably was part three. Part three was my favorite back then. And uh, <laughs> yeah, some of my guests were not as amused because, you know, they were chicks and they were scared, but... That's the whole point, man. So yes, Friday the 13th, I'm going with part three. Well, I definitely remember the first time we got a VCR. Um, and I I don't think there was there were any like rental places near us at the time. So I think we mostly used it to record uh, movies off of like HBO or, or something like that. And um, I think the first movie, I think I just one day just set a whole bunch of movies to record or I asked my mom to record a whole bunch of movies or something. And I want to say that the first movie I watched on our VCR was Adventures in Babysitting. This is Brad, Sarah, and Daryl. And we're in trouble. A no doubt. See me and my boyfriend, Mike. Tonight's our anniversary. 
But then he went and canceled, and now I'm stuck watching these three. And it's so hard. And it's so hard. Babysitting these guys. I know the first. I know the first movie I watched on premium cable, which would be even before VHS or Betamax, and it was. So I can't tell you. I, it, this is the thing. I cannot tell you the first VHS movie was, but I can tell you that I got up uh, early on a school day, and in Canada we had uh, instead of HBO we had First Choice and Super Channel. Those were our pay cable stations. And uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning, I sat down with a bowl of cereal and toast and watched Star Wars A New Hope uh, on television. Uh, And then I went to school and it was a fantastic experience. But I do not have any idea the first movie on VHS would have been. I think it was E.T. I think, I know for a fact that the first, we were late, we were very late to the, to the uh, video cassette recorder uh, party. And when my dad finally got one, we didn't have, we never had a beta. When he finally got a, a VHS, uh, ET was the first. You know what though? What's what? What's sticking in my mind though is he bought ET, but then it just sat on top of the stereo forever. And we and my mom was even like, "Oh, what, good going on buying that. We've never even watched it." So I don't know that that was the first one we ever watched. The first one I watched at a friend's house on a VCR was Three Amigos. That will always live on. I could tell you everything about that night. Um, but no, I don't know what the uh, the first one I watched in my own home was. That's terrible. Um, actually, it's a toss-up because I can't remember which one I watched first, but I do remember the first tape that we actually sat and watched was The Making of Michael Jackson's Thriller. And I remember that one vividly because uh, I watched that in my mom's bedroom with my little brother. Uh, She kind of just put the tape on and let us sit and watch it because the VCR was in her room. And uh, even though it was the making of Thriller, when they kept showing the cuts of the video and how Michael Jackson, you know, became a werewolf with the Rick Baker uh, makeup and everything and all that stuff with the zombies, we were still scared you know, uh, even to the down to the, the the crawling lettering that looked like like little bloody leeches and stuff. You know, we were just scared out our asses. I think part of it was we were watching this in the dark. Um, but then, you know, we had to call mom back to like rewind the the uh, VCR because th- they didn't come with remotes at the time. It was just like you had to go up and press it, and we were afraid to touch anything because we didn't want to break it. By the way, never put a VCR underneath a plant that's hanging above it because when you water it. Uh, bad things happen. If, if memory serves me correctly, I feel like it had to have been Star Wars.
just know that I, I just remember the the v, VCR player had the you had to put it in from the top. They had the, the the roof of the VCR player popped open. But I I, I want to say Star Wars just because that was just so integral to my youth. But uh, I I can tell you my first cable movie that I watched the, the minute we got cable, and that was Flash Gordon. <laughs> Uh, not to jump on cable boxes, but the cable box had the sliding, the sliding dealy with all the numbers on it. And, but as far as the VHS tape, that I know we we got it right out of the gate because my old man was just like, you could tape shows. So, but as far as like the first tape, I'm gonna go with Star Wars because that's the only thing I can think of that would have been pertinent in our uh, our household. <laughs> Okay, we're on the topic trivia on VCRs. According to an actual Sears catalog ad, what was the cost of a VCR with a wireless remote in 1981? Was it $800, $1,100, or $1,400? Okay, let's see which amount our panel chose. 1981. Um, hmm. Well, in 1981, $800 would have been, you know, the equivalent of probably of a couple thousand today. So, I'll, I'm going to have to go with 800 I'm going to say it was 1100 I'm going to have to go with 800 81 Jesus. Let's shoot the moon. I'm going to go with 1400 $1,400. $1,400. Wireless remote in 1981. That was like some high-level tech right there. Um, 11. Let's go with 11. Oh my gosh, it was really that much? Between those three numbers? Oh my god, dude, that's crazy. Oh, I would. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go top number. I'm gonna go with 1100. dollars hmm. I'm gonna go with. Uh... $1,100. I'm going to have to save for the low one, the $800. That's Dog ate it. It's, uh, I, I, my brother's holding it for ransom. Aliens ransacked my room. My printer's down. You won't need excuses for losing your schoolwork with the Trapper Keeper because Trapper's special folders and pockets keep an amazing amount of work organized, secure, and right where you want it. It's on the spaceship to Pluto. The one and only Trapper, only for me. Oh, man. The Trapper Keeper was pretty cool. The Trapper Keeper. Now, who did not have a Trapper Keeper? Uh, you would have been the uncoolest cat in school if you, if you didn't have one. Listen, Trapper Keeper was the, the Rolls Royce of your school uh, supplies. Oh, I think everybody had a Trapper Keeper, right? It was the perfect thing for school. You, you know, you get the binder going on and you just... You don't even need a three-hole punch, man. You just, like, take your piece of paper and punch it. You're all set. And they had the pockets, and you could write on it. Yeah, I had a Trapper Keeper. Oh, yeah. The Trapper Keeper was a absolute must-have. It was the first thing that you would go to in the aisle when you went back to school shopping. Trapper Keepers. I had... The Trapper Keepers, it had like the crazy, it, I don't think it was like Lisa Frank, but it was 
that style of art where it was just like insane, make no sense, avant-garde, like, you know, throw a bunch of neon shitty colors together and then like throw like a cheeseburger on it, like fast food or like a, like a hot dog or something or a slice of pizza. Um, you know, I, I always go for the, the, the Trapper Keepers that had like the food on it because I don't know, I'd get hungry sitting there like <laughs> at my desk in school and I'd look at that and like fantasize about the cafeteria and it being lunch already. That was the iPad before it was the iPad, I think, in my eyes. Now, when I was going to school, the only way you could be cool is if you had a cool Trapper Keeper. Oh, I love those. I kind of still like them. We just call them binders now, but it's the same freaking thing. Oh, how I obsessed over the Trapper Keeper. I hated school, but I loved school supply shopping. Ah, the Trapper Keeper was a brilliant, brilliant thing. Uh, I mean, I can't even... I'm, I'm, I'm almost like verklempt. I can't put it into words. <laughs> there's, there's, I, there's some kind of weird OCD thing that I think a lot of people have and they don't realize it, where there's just something so fun about having this little enclosed folder unit that both your regular folders and pads of paper and it's got a three ring binder for stuff but then on the outside it's like a party all the time depending on whether you just had like a hot pink one or something that's you know that's kind of cool but i mean that with the designs the, the the designer series that they came out with Man, there wasn't a year that went by that I didn't have some kind of crazy Trapper Keeper with a pair of sunglasses on it and a Lamborghini reflected in them, or like an orb with some kind of weird tiger reflected in the orb. I don't know. I loved that. I, I love Trapper Keepers. And mixed in with that, you've got Velcro, you know? I mean, ugh. I just, ugh. Um, I think I had two or three Trapper Keepers over the, the course of my, my school career. I, I don't. I want to say that one of them was just a a plain blue one. Now I remember most of them had like cool pictures and you know, or or it would say like rad on it or something like that. But I want to say my first one was just like a, a like a navy blue trapper keeper. And I I think I might have also had oh, I don't know neon colors jump out in my mind. I don't remember what the, what the the image was on the outside, but I always remember uh, the first thing that I'd want to do when I got home with that would be to open it up and and you know fill in like my name and address and and stuff like that on the, the you know, I guess it was like a property of page or something like that. And I, I remember those commercials where you know you basically you know had to deal with uh, you know stuff falling out of your uh, your binder your loose leaf. Like, you know, papers coming out, whatever trap keep it just kept it in and kept it tight. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Here you are. Oh. Say, what is that thing? It's my trapper for me. It sure is a lot neater than this. And that's because it traps my papers in so they won't fall out. And I've got a trapper folder for each subject. That's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. And the trapper keeper holds all my trappers. This flap even has a Velcro closure to keep everything inside. Boy, I've got to get a trapper and get my act together. If you do, I'll uh, let you carry my books. The Trapper and the Trapper Keeper. Here's the problem. I didn't grow up with uh, much money to deal with, so I didn't have a Trapper Keeper until, like, much later in the game. So what that meant was I had to use certain things just to keep my binders closed, which uh, was uh, the uh, the rubber band, 
<laughs> or uh, you know, or just kind of like just kind of hold it, clutch it tight, or you know, or you know, I just kind of always packed it in the bag. But uh, you know, the, a lot of my friends had the Trapper Keeper. Uh, you know, it was pretty cool, and the different designs that the different uh, colors came that they came in. When I started to get them, I, I always tried to get something that was like really rad or cool, like skateboarding or bike, you know, or, or BMX bike or something, something where I could like just really just show it off. Um, but yeah, that was pretty cool. Also, you know, it gave way to like Need Five Star. They started doing the thing with the zipper on the side, which wasn't the same thing, but uh, all the same, that was that was also. Uh, you know, a cool addition, but yeah, you know, all everyone in school had those. You know, the girls would talk about, you know, you have the trapper keepers, whatever. You see, like the little pink designs and the flowers and all this other stuff, and uh, you know, it kind of made it kind of made a lot of the uh, a lot of the girls in school a little cuter. You know, it's like, uh, oh, she's got a cool trapper keeper. You know, she's, uh, she's got some good taste. You know, I'm trying to remember my earliest. Ma- I always liked to draw, and Again, the parents, not necessarily on the edge of, of being cool and hip. So if you would say, hey, my school supplies, I need a trapper keeper. I'd come, I'd get something with like a race car on it or some, you know, Dukes of Hazard or something like that that I wasn't maybe completely into. So what I would do with the front, especially in the back, is I would just get paper and I would sketch out some cool pictures of the sports, uh, you know, insignias or you know, Star Wars characters or whatever, and I would tape it over. So I, I really turned mine into a, a ghetto a trapper keeper. Um, and so the nice thing about that was is that in the following year, when there's a newer, cooler one out, I'd say to my mom, "I don't need it. I'm just going to draw another new picture." And so I'd always have the same exact one didn't last long you know i'd lose it i never took it home i was a poor student so i that stayed in my locker i probably wrote on it i was a big doodler wasn't big on like paying attention in class so i would write on the trapper keeper it was not about that solid color that that blue that red that black or gray maybe towards the end it was uh it was okay to have just a plain black one when they were kind of becoming not as must-have, but uh, in its prime, oh man, it was it was the uh, navy with the uh, the rear view of the red Lamborghini Countach. I mean, that was quintessential. As much as you had to have it, though, you'd get to school and like four other dudes would have it. And then there'd be the one dude that had like the one with like the dragon on it. Um, I remember getting stickers to load on there. I remember the inside flap pocket thing would always rip. Uh, I remember the, my mom would complain because she didn't necessarily mind getting me a trapper keeper, but then you had to buy the special trapper folders, which were like double the price of normal folders. Um, there was a girl that had the green one that had a horse galloping on the front, and we certainly made fun of her. I feel bad about it now. There was the one that had the sunglasses on the front that looked like they even had like a shadow. So like one time my sister tried to pick them up, like she thought there was actual sunglasses sitting on top of the Trevor Keeper, and that couldn't have been funnier to a 12-year-old. I mean, that was the funniest thing we'd ever seen. The Trapper Keeper was the end-all, be-all, because it had Velcro. And you had, that's how you tell the cool people in school, because you had a f- 
for the Velcro. You had to get that. Now, everyone knows, you know, if you had a Trapper Keeper, the Trapper Keeper to have had the red Lambo on the front. You had to have the blue Trapper Keeper with the red Lamborghini. Countach. Um, <laughs> and, and the cool thing about that was everyone knew that you had the top of the line. Like, the white kids had the blank ones. You don't want the blank ones. You had to have something on there. So you either had to have the, 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 the yellow Lamborghini or the red one. You know, so the leader of the group had the red one and all his subordinates, they had that <laughs> the yellow one. And he had the folders and it was special folders. Shouts to the Mead Corporation, they know how that's run from. Because um, they had the folders and the folders had Trapper Keeper on them too. And you had a place for your loose leaf and you had a place to put your ruler in there. And it was everything. The commercials made you. That was the first commercial, but I gotta have it school supplies like it made you want to go to school it's just the perfect thing for a kid to bring to school you just put everything in there it's just neat and you got more room in your backpack for your your awesome metal lunchbox okay topic trivia on the trapper keeper which trapper keeper closure method came first the metal snap or the velcro let's see how many got it right um well, i'm gonna go with the snaps it was the snaps uh, the Velcro. Velcro. Ah, wow. Uh, I'm gonna go with Velcro. I'm gonna go with the snap. Metal snap. Had to be a metal snap. Uh, the metal snap. Uh, I think the metal is first. I want to say it was the metal snaps. Drive is all about Hollywood vehicles of the 80s. Hollywood car would you rather have parked in your driveway with all of its features available? Would you rather have the Back to the Future DeLorean Time Machine? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Or would you rather have the Night Industries 2000 from Knight Rider? Knight Rider, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. I am the voice of Night Industry 2000's microprocessor. K-I-T-T for easy reference. A kit if you prefer. I'm going with kit. I want kit. And I want those buttons and TV screens and the whole nine. I would go with kit. Yeah, I'm going to go with kit. I'm going to go with the Night Industry 2000. I'm going to choose kit. I'm going to have to say kit. Only because then he could actually drive. Real. And he could turbo boost and really jump. And, you know, when he landed, he wouldn't crumple. 
and I could tap into all types of stuff with the with Kit's computer. Kit comes with a badass watch that I can talk to him through. You know, as much as everybody thinks it'd be great to have the ability to time travel, though, like, I mean, you saw how unstable it is and how you never really get what you want out of it. But with Kit, I mean, he never really screwed you over. You always got what he was there for. First thought is go with the DeLorean because it's the time machine. But then you have the whole 88 uh, miles an hour and the fuel and it's a whole thing. And I might end up running in the dock and, and effing my mother. So I don't want to do that. I want to just keep it in the current and we'll go with Kit. Now, the only thing about Kit is I'm going to get annoyed with the voice. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to turn that down. Because the problem with Kit was he has no radio. If you look in the dash, there's no radio. I can't listen to some tunes while I'm hitting turbo, while I'm turbo boosting on them people. So, um, and it's cooler. It was, it was black and you had the tinted windows and you could actually tell it to do stuff from your uh, super secret swatch watch that I'm going to have. So I think I'm going to go with Kit. Um, uh, turbo boost. I don't have to when you don't have to actually drive the car that means you can get uh favors and don't have to worry about crashing that's good um and if the the your your people that you're riding with are awful at treats or they're just annoying you you can eject or see them out that's good yeah i still can take care especially with super pursuit mode yeah yeah bulletproof i could go blasting through walls and I wouldn't have to worry about waxing it. Kit had all those cool features. You know, he talked to you with the, uh, you know, had the turbo boost. And, and you know, he had, like, missiles at one point and, 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 and hyperspeed and flaps and all, all this other stuff. And, and you know, the, turbo, the, 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 the jump or whatever. The DeLorean, it was only good for one thing. It was time travel. It could fly, but it was only good for time travel, really. And you had the flux capacitor or Mr. Fusion, depending on which version you had. And you had to put, you know, stuff in the garbage or get the 1.21 gigawatts that was a pain uh also because i'm a black man time travel it's a very limited window for us so it's like there's only so far back i can go <laughs> before i have to deal with racism whatever so i'm like nah i'm just gonna stay in the present and f- around with kit and have a good time you know being a su- secret agent for the uh for flag or for the uh, foundation for law and government i'm not gonna be running around here you know getting uh coming out in the car that uh, obviously it seems to be too good for me and getting like you know the water hoses and the dogs put at me that's not gonna happen it'd be kind of cool just to have a car that you could talk to and you know and then the, the lights going back and forth across the grill and uh turbo boost yeah i think it would probably be the the way i would go we're sending you back to the future I'm going to use it for good, but I'm going to take the DeLorean. I would use the DeLorean to its full function, and I would I would take that, and I would go back in time. Well, I got to go back to the future. DeLorean. There's no doubt about it, dude. You got to have the time machine. I want the DeLorean. And I'm going to go back in time and pick up all cool vintage mint-on-card Star Wars figures, mint-on-card anything you can think of, and then... I'll be set for life. You know, I, I did it legally. I didn't like figure out, you know, or bet on anything or use a sports almanac or anything like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm going back in time in the DeLorean and I'm, I'm, I'm buying up the old toys and just bring them back to now and 
They'll be pristine in the box and they won't have any creases or, oh, I make so much money on eBay or Etsy or Amazon. I would use it for, for my own evil undoings and, and make myself a rich man and, and invest in all these other companies before they became big and, and become like the most powerful man in the world and be awesome and rich and, and, and yeah, I've definitely, definitely used it to my advantage. Like who, who doesn't want to time travel? Time traveling trumps, you know, talking car any day. There's no doubt about it, dude. You gotta have the time machine. I love Kit, but that functionality is nothing compared to a time machine. I'd go back and slap little Dan around. I'd be like, listen, you little shit. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other thing. And then I'd sit back here and I'd enjoy the benefits. I'd tell him to buy Microsoft. Come on, who doesn't want to go back and buy Microsoft, right? Forget about it. People who answer kit are just crazy. I mean, you'd be pimping. It does have that Cylon eye up in the front, and it talks. You know, you'd be out on a date, you set it up to make you sound cool. Folks, you've got another date to pick up in an hour. <laughs> Back to the Future had such a huge impact on my young life when I saw that movie when it came out in 1985. But first of all, had never seen a vehicle like that. Never saw a, a, a car that's doors open that way. And I learned a lot from pop culture. And to combine that with traveling through time, um, you know, kid can talk to you and have a conversation and go real fast and do some cool jumps and all that and keep you company. Who the hell cares when I can punch in a date and go back to the future? So well, without a doubt. Now, if it comes with a crazy dock as well, excellent accessory. Uh, and I don't mind. I don't mind riding in a vehicle that's powered by plutonium. Not one bit. Not one bit. So definitely going uh, DeLorean. And my first, my first stop would be probably be November fifth, nineteen fifty-five. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits eighty-eight miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious. Okay, here's your topic trivia. It's on the Back to the Future movie. In the first Back to the Future film, what name and planet does Marty introduce himself as to his father dressed in the yellow radioactive suit? Got your answer? All right, let's see how our panelists did. I think he says he's Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. He definitely introduced himself as Darth Vader. But planet-wise, let's see. It, it wasn't Mars. Uh, it wasn't Pluto. Probably was Mars. I'm, I'm gonna go with Mars. Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Um, what was it? What, um, it was um from Star Trek. It was um planet Vulcan. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm lost. Uh, Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Um, didn't he? Did he introduce himself as Darth Vader? What planet, though? Oh, Vulcan. Oh, my God. Do you know, I've seen that movie a ton, and I... I, I don't know. I can't call that recall that particular line. I thought it was Darth Vader, but... Oh, my gosh. That's a... Uh, I don't... Uh... It's not. It's not something in Star Wars, if I remember correctly. It was. Um, I have no idea. Planet Hoth. I, I don't know. Even though it's Star Wars. 
Is it uh, Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan? It's Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Uh, Darth Vader from... Uh, I want to say it's a Star Trek reference. Uh, Vulcan. Music. I'm the king of rock. There is none higher. Sucker MCs should call me sire. To vote my kingdom, you must choose fire. I won't stop rocking till I retire. Run DMC. Run DMC to this day, I still love. They're pioneers, legends in the game, and uh, Hall of Famers in everybody's book. Run DMC was basically the 80s uh, as far as hip-hop. Him and LL Cool J. You know, you had the Godfather hats, you had the gold ropes. They were endorsed by Adidas. still some good rap out there but i mean nothing for me beats that whole era like late 80s into the mid 90s like just so many amazing tracks came out of that that time run, run, DMT. one of the first rap groups i got to know was run dmc you know uh, and, and it's funny that they were called the kings of rock because they they did rap and a lot of times I couldn't make that connection. Like, wait, if these are rappers and they're MCs, why are they the kings of rock? But you never questioned Run DMC. You know, you just went along with it. But they had so many hits, man. Two rappers and a DJ. Run DMC basically built that mold. And, you know, ever since then, everyone just kept trying to copy. Uh, you know, and, and then the leather jackets, tougher than leather. You know, the classics that came out. Uh, Run, you know, with his commanding voice and, and you know, kind of setting the tone at the table and DMC coming in with the loud booming voice and then Jam Master J with the cuts. I mean, it was the perfect rap, you know, the dopest ever. Um, and then Crush Groove came out and it was just the culmination of all types of freshness because Run DMC was right at the dead center of that. They were the stars of the show. I know what to do. The only time that Run DMC really made it into my lexicon was when they teamed up with Aerosmith. I was a, I was a metalhead. I'm one of the rare few. I think I prefer the Walk This Way. Like, you know, I don't like the Aerosmith version alone. It has to be the Run DMC version. everybody remembers the Aerosmith video. I mean, that was a seminal moment for rock and rap. And I think, I think both, um, I think both genres benefited from that. Obviously, you know, rock started to integrate rap and rap elements into it and rap got a higher exposure, you know, and, uh, yeah, great, great moment in music. My first introduction to them was much later than most. Uh, I was primarily a pop music aficionado as a young, young man. 
And uh, this is going to be so disturbing, but the first time I ever saw them perform was with uh, Aerosmith <laughs> uh, when they when they uh, combined for Walk This Way. It was actually my introduction to Aerosmith because before then, I didn't know who these guys were. I just wondered why this, you know, skinny dude looked like a chick. But, uh, you know, Steven Tyler, you know, just rocked the house and everything. And it was just like... And with the with the, the the guitar music and that and just the mix, uh, the video it bridged gaps and like you know bridge worlds and everything and you know it, it was cool to be able to rock out to a a music video and to a song that somebody across the country who I would never have anything in common with would rock out to the same song you know whether it was for a different reason or not but it made me you know appreciate rock music Aerosmith and Run the D so. You know, that was a groundbreaking history making video. Uh, you know, I loved it. We had one radio station that ever played in our house and our car. So I never really had the wherewithal to, to seek out any other kind of music except what I heard. So, like, I was way late. Like, looking back on it now, I mean, Run DMC was, was in the public conscience for probably six to eight years before I even I mean I had heard of them but I didn't I don't know that I could even have identified one of their songs so any experience I have with them has been since then and I've been sort of robbed of that nostalgic like where were you when this song was big type stuff walk this way was probably the only way that I was even familiar with run DMC up to that uh, uh, before you know, the late 80s. I don't have a ton of experience with Run DMC. I wish I did. Most of my experience uh, stems from the Aerosmith uh, mashup. I didn't really get into hip hop until uh, until later. And then even then, I never I never tracked back like I should have. Run DMC, I knew that one. You're the one that got me hooked on them. That's how I learned. You got me hooked on him and uh, Aerosmith, especially when they both sang it together. Walk this way. Yeah, I'm not a singer. I have the greatest hits. Uh, I think the two favorite songs are Walk This Way and You Be Illin'. You be illin', illin', your problem is. You be illin', Dr. J taking it to the hoop and you scream touchdown on You Be Illin' and eating uh, uh, dog food uh, with butter and it was deaf. <laughs> I used to sing that almost every day at lunch, especially when it was hot food lunch. Raising Hell, in my opinion, is probably the fourth or fifth greatest hip-hop albums of all time. It's definitely top ten on anybody's list. At least it should be. Um, you had everything. You had you had Run was actually doing the beatbox on Hit It Run. You had the classic like 22nd song, son of Bifert, uh, Brother Val. Hey, yo, Jay, yo, Jay, check this out. I was born, son of Bifert, brother of Al. Bend my mama and runs my pal. It's McDaniels, not McDonald's. These crops are Daryl's, those burgers are Ronald's. I ran down my family tree, my mother, my father, my brother, and D. <laughs> Oh, y'all on that tip now, huh? 
Yeah, uh, Peter Piper with the take, uh, the Peter Piper beat. The thing about Peter Piper was LL Cool J had a song called Rock the Bells. And Rock the Bells originally had bells in it from the same song that they sampled from uh, Take Me to the Mardi Gras for Peter Piper. But since Peter Piper and Run DMC was the bigger group, they let uh, Run DMC have the sample. People don't know that. Um, you had It's Tricky with the Penn and Teller in the video. This beat is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. Here we go. me like a good 10 listens or so before i figured out it was it's tricky to rock a rhyme to rock a rhyme that's right on time because <laughs> when i first heard that i was like what the f are they saying i had no idea i think like endless amounts of playing like ssx tricky on my gamecube like ingrained it into my head i'm actually a fan of christmas and hollis It's uh, one of the uh, the catchier uh, non-traditional Christmas songs, but you don't really hear that anymore. But uh, video is great too, with the uh, the elf in the control room and moving all kinds of uh, switches and stuff like that. And good song. Run DMC is like one of the greatest groups of all time. Uh, rest in peace to Jam Master J. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. Run DMC was great. Still great. Um, yeah, rest in peace, Jam Master J. I can remember walking down this long hill that we had to get to my bus stop because it was like a condo complex. And what I can remember actually having the headphones on and that blasting in my ears over and over and over again. Because it was just something that I loved so much. And, and, you know, I remember be sitting in class, be like, oh, my God, is this day over with? Because I can't wait to listen to my Walkman. But for what it's worth, Velt will go down as the greatest rap group to me. I'm the king of rap. Okay, it's our final topic trivia on Run DMC. What brand of shoes is Run DMC known for? Uh, we went easy on them. These guys should know this. Adidas. Adidas, man. My uh, Adidas. Oh, yeah, we gotta go with the uh, Adidas, Adidas superstars. Uh, black and white, white with black stripes, the ones that he like to wear when he rocks the mic. Adidas. Adidas? It's, um, it has the acronym, the, uh, sex. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Adidas. All day I dream about sports. Well, when you're younger, it was all day I dream about sex, right? Adidas. 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 And with those answers, it's time to tally up the points and see who our trivia champion is. Our trivia champion for Rediscover the 80s podcast number one. 
will actually be shared between two people with a whopping 8 out of 10 points. Our champions are Brian Morin and Tank. You're simply the best. Great job, guys, and let's salute our runners-up, Howie and Joe, for also getting 7 out of 10 right. But to our champions, you each will be receiving a case, a full case, mind you, of Pac-Man pasta. Oh, Pac-Man, I'm beat! And I'm hungry! Thank goodness for new Pac-Man pasta from Chef Boyardee. New Pac-Man pasta? Mmm, little spaghetti shaped like us. Delicious! And because Chef Boyardee's packed with goodness, it's great for when we have to eat and run. New Pac-Man pasta from Chef Boyardee. With meatballs, <laughs> without meatballs, <laughs> or chicken flavor. <laughs> Thank goodness for new Pac-Man pasta. Thank goodness for Chef Boyardee. And to help you wash it down, we're also including a six-pack of Jolt Cola. Please consume your prizes at your own risk. Overall, our panel did pretty well with their trivia, averaging almost a 7 out of 10. But as promised, where there is a winner, there unfortunately has to be a loser. You stood, buttwad! With four and three quarters points. I'm sorry to say, my buddy Wyatt, he came in last place in our topic trivia. So Wyatt, as you heard, your punishment is an atomic wedgie by Chet Donnelly. Chet, he's all yours. I wouldn't give a squirt of piss for your ass right now. Ooh, okay, well, as my buddy Wyatt recovers from that, we'll go ahead and put a cap on this show. Let's roll the credits. Before I run the credits on episode one... Remember to stick around after the show for the outtakes from the recording of podcast number one. They'll include some great stories, some random thoughts and memories from our podcast panel that you won't want to miss. First, thanks to our podcast panel for making this episode so much fun to put together. Thanks to Corey, Howie, Joe, and Tank of underscoopfire.com and the Underscoop Fire podcast. And also check out the Madcast podcast with Corey and Joe. If you're a fan of the TV show Mad Men, I'd also like to thank Fogues, Dan Fogarty of FogesMovieReviews.com and the Title Pending Movie Podcast with Tank and Fogues. Both are my favorites for current and past movie reviews, and I highly suggest you check those out. I'd also like to thank Jamie Hood of She'sCrafty.com and Sean Robert of BrandonInThe80s.com. You can find both of them also on the Cult Film Club podcast and website. There's already been several episodes on 80s movies, so highly recommend that podcast. Also thanks to Hail Mary, Brian Morin of the Walking Dads podcast. All you Walking Dead fans, please check out the Walking Dads podcast and their Facebook page. Thanks to Classic and Eclectic from the Cold Slither podcast and website another show I really enjoy which covers everything you grew up on you can also connect with eclectic at eclecticrelaxation.com and also finally thanks to my longtime friend and co-host of MassCast my buddy Wyatt Bloom 
you can connect with us and our quest to get a Mobile Armored Strike Command movie made on the big screen by visiting our Mask Movie blog. For an easy way to connect with all of our panelists, please visit the podcast page on the Rediscover the 80s website and you'll find the show notes for podcast number one and connect with all of our panelists on Twitter and their websites. You'll also find links to all of the music during the podcast. And certainly last but not least, thank you to you, the listener. If you like what you heard, please leave a comment to the show notes. Or even better, write a quick review and rating on iTunes. If you are interested in being a panelist, have an idea for a topic, or want to promote your site or show on a future episode of the Rediscover the 80s podcast, please send an email to jason at rediscoverthe80s.com. That's 80s.com. I am your humble host, Jason Gross. Thanks again for listening to the mixtape of 80s pop culture and hope you'll join us next time on the Rediscover the 80s podcast. With the Ghostbusters symbol, like, you know, the ghost inside the, the uh, do not, it was like anytime I saw any of those symbols since then, like no smoking or whatever, um, if I could, if I had some markers, I would draw a little ghost in there and be like, no smoking, Ghostbusters, you know, so it was like, do not, do not walk, Ghostbusters, you know, no, yeah, whatever. But uh, I always thought, of the, I always think of the Ghostbusters symbol when I think of that no symbol. You know, I, I don't even know if they use that anymore. They probably use something else because of all the Ghostbusters uh, graffiti going on. So if you have to clean up a lot of Ghostbusters graffiti, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters graffiti, man, I like it. Probably some of my favorite aspects of the movie are some of the things that never made it into the film. Um, I was able to secure one of the rare versions of the novelization of the movie that's got um, a handful of deleted scenes. And... It's funny, there's there's sequences in the movie that, that they, they make it into the film, but they don't make sense. And, and most people don't even question it. There's like a, a scene where uh, Dan Aykroyd's character is dressed up as like a, I don't know, like a Union soldier. And he's uh, laying down in bed and there's a spectral ghost that kind of comes over and kind of sexes him up a little bit. No one really thinks twice, uh, I think, about the scene as it flows through the movie. They just think maybe he's in the bunk at the, you know, the firehouse or whatever. But no one really questions why he's in like weird old war gear. Um, but there's a deleted scene in the book where they actually go to an old fort, uh, him and uh, Winston, and uh, Ackroyd finds himself in this one room, and he's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll put on this costume and everything, just because I'm kind of bored, and I don't think there's actually any ghosts here. And then he gets tired and lays down, and then all of a sudden he gets sexed up by a ghost and everything. But I always thought that was weird that it, it's both kind of cut from the film, because there's a much longer sequence. But it does show up in the film, just weird, and nobody really questions it. I don't know. For some reason, I always liked that because of that. I've never heard that. Yeah. I've never put that two and two together about that. So that's yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, there's there's definitely some weird trivia like that in some of those 80s films. It's funny that you bring out Ray Parker Jr. Because I was listening to, I was on like, I don't know, it was like satellite radio or something. And a Ray Parker Jr. song came on that wasn't Ghostbusters. This is literally like two weeks ago. I was like, what the hell is this song? And it was like <laughs> rapey. It was about him like, you know totally having a wife but then like getting the urge to like get all up on this young girl like if you listen to it's super creepy i don't remember that one yeah i'd never heard it until that day
Wow. That is, that's crazy. <laughs> and uh, shout out to Andy Potts. Andy Potts was so hot back in the day to me. I don't know why. <laughs> Must have been the glasses or it something. It was definitely the, the glasses. Dirty girls. Yeah. And wasn't she, she was also on uh, Designer Woman, right? Yep. She was such a piece yep. of ass on Designer Woman. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that's, that's a tough one to, to ask and me she, about. And that's she did some kind of like peanuts or popcorn or potato chip commercial back then, and I wanted, I wanted, I wanted the pots. <laughs> oh, I, I can imagine what, how you felt when she took the glasses off when she's like uh, she's seducing uh, uh, Moranis. Yeah, that one, was, it, was that number two or was that the first? One? I think that was. I think that was the first one. It's, it's, it's akin to when uh, Lilith Sternin uh, takes off her glasses. I always had a thing for BB Newer. So when she had the glasses on and on um, Cosby show with the dragon lady, Miss Westlake, when she took off her glasses, I got a thing with women glasses. So, uh, <laughs> so how do you feel when Velma lost her glasses on Scooby-Doo? Velma's I mean, a, that- Velma from Scooby-Doo is a piece of ass. She's the hottest one on there. She has this gigantic thing of jobbers. She has the thighs and she's showing them off and, 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 the the best thing about Velma is when she loses her glasses, they are always two inches away from her fingertips, except for the one time when the bat grabbed them and flew away with them. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, that's that might be uh, that might be an outtake right there. It would be two, sir. Oh. Two weeks. Right. Unbelievable that they had consecutive weeks, in my opinion. But oh, how dare you? They did. They did. I love Rick Astley. I don't mind. There's a couple songs I really, truthfully and honestly, don't mind. Um, but that Bobby McFerrin thing was like, yeah, was I don't know. He, I, he I, Rick's got the voice. Rick, like I know Rick, right? Mr. <laughs> Astley's got the voice where when you first, th- this is where MTV came into play for him, and it really kind of threw everybody for a loop. It's like when we first heard Amy Winehouse or Adele, you kind of pictured somebody different and the first time i heard rick astley and i saw a video i went no no i saw that guy is it that guy? <laughs> and he just had that just that uh just a great voice and deep and yep. again you know powerful and pumped up i loved it michael mcdonald he's another yes one. he sounds like he's about a uh 350 pound black man. <laughs> yes, he does. i love that voice i love it as far as Bobby McFerrin, that song played at a eighth grade dance, a school dance. And for it will forever remind me of this one girl that <laughs> she asked me to dance and I just didn't, it's not in my genetic programming to say no to anyone for anything that they asked me point blank for. And so, um, I was dancing with her, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It wasn't embarrassing by any means, but I, I wouldn't have chosen to, to have done that. And uh, right then, my dad, who had been sitting in the parking lot to pick me up, who had perceived that I had been in the dance long enough, I guess it was one of those things where he thought it ended at 9, and in reality it ended at 10 or something. So he thought by 9.30 that I was just in there screwing off and that you know making him wait. So he came marching into the school gymnasium, onto the middle of the dance floor and yanked me by the arm out of the school dance. So I, that song just harbors so many horrific, embarrassing uh, memories for me in my formative years. That's a great story. 
That's great. Wow. It's amazing how a song can just trigger a certain <laughs> yeah. position in time. Exactly. Uh, I've got many like that. It was it was pretty big at the time. You know, you had that whole bartender doing the the splits, you know, on the video. You remember that? That was that was amazing feat. Uh, <laughs> on the Rick Astley song? Yeah, don't you remember the video? No. They're like, you know, he's doing the whole thing and then all of a sudden just out of nowhere, the bartender he just like he does this whole Gregory Hines like touches toes behind the he like jumps up above the bar. I, I promise you, after this this is over, I'm going to. Watch oh, it. I cannot get that out of my head. Him doing that—that that is it's, crazy. I, I think of that song and I think of that doing that dude doing this this toe touch the, behind the bar. That's crazy. The fact that you said Gregory Hines though that 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 reminds me like when he did the movie Taps, it's my my dad's father's brother so i guess my great uncle um is actually a professional was a professional tap dancer he's the one that taught gregory hines how to tap dance oh wow a little fun fact there i've never met any of the neither of them guys so i don't it doesn't really matter to me but it's a big thing in the family there's like pictures and all this other stuff he's actually he was good friends with tony danza too because tony danza is a tap dancer wow yeah so wow Some tap dancing in the jeans well not 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 for this guy i'll tell you that <laughs> Um, and McDonald's and I don't get along, um, ever since they served me a raw burger a couple of years ago. So definitely going to go with the Choco Taco. Oh man. <laughs> Yuck. They served you a raw, a raw burger. Yes. Like uncooked frozen between two pieces of bread. No, it was, it was, uh, it, it apparently was on the, the grill for probably 30 seconds or so. Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> and so it was uh it was not its normal luscious brown color. Oh, no, no, it was very very, very <laughs> red. <laughs> and, wow. And this is this is the same McDonald's that a year or two prior to that uh served me a burgerless burger. I ordered a cheeseburger, <laughs> it had it had ketchup, <laughs> onions, pickle, uh cheese, everything except for the burger was on that. You're kidding nope. me. <laughs> Uh, and they're and of course they're still in business and they're just booming. Oh, right. Yep, absolutely. Wow, wow, a burgerless burger. Uh, can I have a uh, just a piece of cheese? <laughs> I just can't. I can't imagine anybody ordering that. And how would you miss that? It's like the main yeah, part of the thing. <laughs> wow, I would have. Uh, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> I would have had to do something to them. Wow, man, McDonald's sucks in your town. Yes, it does. I went to a, a high school with a kid that looked exactly like Alf, and people tagged him with that nickname, and it stuck. And Alf, you know, it, as unfair as it was to him, I still think of him to this day as Alf because he did. He had, he just it's hard to explain. He had the near set eyes and the big nose. He looked he looked just like Alf. He dealt good weed, though. I like that kid. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a family show. I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in. I don't hey, care. Hey, whatever you want, man. <laughs> I, I, you got to forgive the guy who, who tagged him with it because he really did look like it. But, dude, that was just mean because from then I don't even know what the f- kid's real name was. If I saw him today, I'd be like, Alf, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Setting up spawn from 
Old school. Oh, yeah. Cheese. <laughs> I could picture it on set. All right, cut. We need a we need a stand in. Come on, stand in. We need a full body shot of Alf. <laughs> it's just him. They wouldn't even need him. He just walks in. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, it's like the fat guy that they got to play Jabba the Hutt in that one scene. <laughs> in fairness, he played Alf you... before they made Jabba, but. How do you how do you feel like that? I was the guy that, that originally played Jabba. That's messed up. <laughs> oh man, good times, good times. That's a that's a good outtake right there. All right, Jacko. Jacko, I can never remember that. I should. So how are you going to get off the island there? Well, if I can use his truck, I can just use the helicopter that comes out of the truck can go. But I probably won't um, in real life. So. Uh, I don't know. We'll kill a cat. His highwayman truck? You talking about? Yeah, he had one too. He had a he had a, a Hughes uh, 500 in his truck. It wasn't the uh, Eurocopter or whatever that uh, highway had in his. But uh, maybe maybe you crashed with his truck then. Well, the nice thing about Jacko's truck was actually it was separate. So the truck rig was separate from the helicopter. The helicopter was actually mounted in the trailer where Highway's truck, the cab of the helicopter, well, the helicopter actually landed on the truck portion itself. So it was actually the um, the steering, the driving cab of the actual truck too. So you separate them, you know, you can crash the truck, you probably crash the helicopter where at least in Jacko's truck, you got the helicopter sitting in the trailer. See, I remember this kind of crap. I think that's why I have fond memories of of school shopping. I mean, kids today don't really think. Oh yeah. Cool, but I, I just remember because you just got all the cool stuff. Like you got like Return of the Jedi erasers or pencils, and, and it was just yep. all the licensed product. And then obviously the freaking lunch boxes. I mean, come on. I just <laughs> wish those held up better because I, I I've gone on eBay to try and buy some, but they're you know they're so rusted and they don't come with the thermos. Not that I would ever drink out of them, but. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh that would be a fungus, you know, ready to right. uh, enter your body or whatever. But yeah, I was I was happy my my youngest uh, he got a little metal Toy Story uh, three uh, lunchbox that was like it looks like the old nice the old fashioned ones that open from the top and right. uh, it's rounded on the top. And he just started taking that to school like within the last couple of weeks. And I was like, cool, yeah. The only thing, though, is they're like super small. Yeah, yeah. but the, the, <laughs> the pictures on them are just so manufactured. But back when we were kids, they were like works oh, it was of like art. Original. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, like somebody had specifically drawn a, so a scene yes. for the lunchbox. Yeah, it was great. Something that wasn't even in the, the cartoon or the movie right. or something. Yeah. The Rediscover the 80s podcast is a Sock of Flea Gulls production.